Welcome everyone to Dabo's Fingers episode 116. Let us do our duty featuring Blood Rider Megan. I'm scatting with me as always is my buddy Matt. Hey everybody, and joining us today in our continuation of the Meet the Kalisar series is Megan, aka at SilverShades20, aka Sir Silver of the Shady Grove on Twitter. Um, if I remember right, our first really meaningful interaction with Megan was at Ice and Fire Con. 2019 that's what yes. i remember yes where we yeah. connected during <laughs> our now infamous late night lobby sessions uh, it's been nothing but fun with per since then per is lovely kind and everything one could want in a blood rider so say hello megan how are you doing good yeah. <laughs> Hi, and i think i don't know why i'm waving <laughs> you can't see it's me okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right you can wave we see you uh, I think you were also at our panel for our for our Blood Riders there. I actually don't remember which came first, that lovely hangout night or our panel that day. Hmm. I'm not sure. I don't remember either. I, n- I remember both, but I don't remember what order yeah, it was a, It was a blur, a blur of hugging and yeah, yeah. Mountain Dew and ketchup I chips. I remember I did, and... I did meet Matt at the icebreaker. Oh, yes. okay. All right. Yes. And, and we because I recognized your voice, and I was like, "Wait, uh, from fingers." <laughs> yeah, that's weird when that happens. Oh, oh, we set up your Twitter account. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a Twitter before then. Oh my goodness gracious! That's yep. a that's a momentous occasion right there. Let's celebrate that. <laughs> well, uh, we're gonna get to know Megan a little bit better very soon, and we're also gonna dive into uh, her selected chapter. Uh, tonight as well, which is Sansa 2 from Storm of Swords. Uh, but first, we're going to dive into some announcements real quick. Matt, I just thought it might be fun. We haven't done this in a while. What have you been watching yeah. reading lately? We haven't done this in a oh, while. Oh, man. Thanks for asking, Skad. Um, you know, I almost put up a meme the other day. You guys know that meme with Drake where he's doing like the, no, get yeah, away no, from me no, in one. No. And then in the yeah. other one, he's doing the, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and my it. no get away from me was going to be all the great new content on all the streaming services I haven't watched yet. And then the, ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> meme was going to be watching Star Wars again for the oh. 30th time. You know? I thought we were going to say the get down, boys. Nice. <laughs> um, no, I, I just finished season three of Sex Education. Okay. Um, flew through it. I'm generally a very slow watcher of anything, television or movies, but... I flew through season three. So good. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, mm. Beth. Thank you, Justin, for recommending it um, and staying on my case. If either of you, Scott, you've watched a little bit of it, haven't you? Yeah, I did. I stopped. I watched, I think, the first four or five episodes. I liked uh-huh. it. I just had kind of other things going on as well. I was watching Atypical, which um, yes. I, not to jump to me because I'm not sure you're done, but I want. I finished Atypical, which I really it's enjoyed. Vibe. I really it's vibe on it. You finished it? I yes, and I really yes. loved it. Oh, I, could I love that see show. The end coming, and I hated that it was coming. I just wanted more. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I really liked it. Rappaport's great. Um, the the sister whose name I've I've now forgotten. Uh, she's wonderful. Uh, I, I I really loved her in it, and uh, just a great heart-wrenching and and heart-building show as well at the same time i I really enjoyed it but i think i'm going to jump back into sex education now because uh aowen and i finished uh nine perfect strangers this week and i also finished (laughs) i finished very quickly 
uh, Squid Game on Netflix, which uh, oh, is didn't that Korean... just come out? It just came out. Don't judge me, okay? I'm not judging just you. Don't... I'm I'm in awe. <laughs> I had the day off today, and I binged a lot, and it was really good. Uh, it's it is not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of trauma, a lot of psychological stuff going on. I do not recommend it. There's a lot of things that might trigger lots of people in that show, but it's it's also very good. Uh, kind of if you remember if you if if you read Battle Royale or maybe a little bit like Hunger Games, kind of in that vein, um, mm. but uh, more adult than than either of those things. Uh, but but very good, and I enjoyed it. And Nine Perfect Strangers, I don't even know whether to recommend. It's a bit of a mind fuck. Um, it's very weird. Again, lots of trigger warnings about trauma and suicide and lots lots of other things, but also very emotional and very deep. Um, great performances. Bobby Cannavale is fantastic in it. Um, but but also the end left me a little bit kind of wanting. So I'm not sure to recommend it. It's it's definitely different if you're looking for something a little weird and different. Hmm. So that's what yeah. I've been watching. And uh, Kalisar, just so you know, we're not ignoring Megan. <laughs> we're going to get to Purr uh, <laughs> later in the get to know. We'll be asking for some recommendations we'll be asking some of these questions, from you, Megan. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Uh, are you reading anything right now, Skin? Uh, I'm reading uh, this wonderful book called I Am Mercury. Uh, uh-huh. It's really good. I read it huh. uh, when I can. I was also reading A Storm of Swords a lot this week. Uh no, I'm a slacker. I'm not reading anything else. I feel bad. Beautiful. I want. To. I, what are you reading? I've been I've been reading a little more. Um, okay. Been reading the uh, old Star Wars Legends Rogue Squadron series again, which is one of my favorites. No. Um, our buddy Motsi has been got, covering it on his podcast legend lounge and i've always loved those books but i haven't read them in years since i was an adolescent and uh i i posted on twitter a little while ago that i found like the whole series except for the final book i found them on at a thrift store well not even a thrift store is a used record store vinyl and they have a little section of books and they happen to have nine of these nine Nine these, uh, times. Star Wars books for like a dollar ninety nine a pop, and wow. uh, I'm on book three right now. Well, that's wonderful. Excellent. It yeah. sounds like you're enjoying nice. them. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, speaking of, I am Mercury though, Scad Scadwick. Yeah, we just released uh, I am Mercury book four last week for patrons. Oh, so good. It was a good episode. A little bit of a, a little bit of a middling, like kind of. I feel like it's like transitioning now i don't think we talked about it much yeah. in that episode but i feel like it's kind of like a uh put your foot in the ground and plant and turn maybe chapter before we kind of turn it's like towards a setup some of the... in the middle of yeah. the series <laughs> exactly it's setting up it's like okay now we're going to start answering some questions that's what i feel we'll see maybe grant's just going to keep asking more questions but we'll find out soon because we're going to squeeze one more of those out before you take a trip matt yeah, I, I like squeezing things out. It's important to do it often, and even if it's quick, you just try to squeeze one out. Um, yeah, so squeeze look for that out in early before October. your trip as possible. Just... <laughs> Hopefully I'll be squeezing it out during as well. But, well, um... I just don't trust your bowels, to be honest, Matt. I'm a little worried about you. <laughs> Thank you. I am going back to where the bowel trouble started. I know. Brazil. That's why I'm worried. <laughs> You guys, when I came back from Brazil in 2006, I was a changed man. 
<laughs> inside In and out. In a lot of different ways. <laughs> and nat- anatomically, spiritually, mm. emotionally, but mostly mm. anatomically. Mostly. And, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know what you were signing up just, for, did you, Megan? I've never been the same. <laughs> I've listened to all the episodes. See? Anyway. <laughs> I think Megan, if I remember right, you posted about getting Grant's books, or am I, am I putting you on the spot? Yeah, um, I haven't yet, but I think that's going to be my. They're next on your list. Series. That's right. Yeah. Yes. yes. I mean, I said mine fuck earlier. They are right up there. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. my brain yeah. will never be the same. Yeah. Uh, so, so we're gonna do. Everybody on Twitter is talking about him. I feel left out. <laughs> we don't <laughs> want to leave you out. <laughs> we don't leave anyone out. I gotta get on that. <laughs> all, all talk of squeezing aside. We're gonna push one more out. Damn it. We're gonna release. <laughs> no you know, way around it, buddy. Uh, there will be another one um, that that you receive before Matt goes in October, and then in November for our patrons, we're gonna do. Uh, our next films get fingered segment, which will be a group hangout movie review again. I think a lot of people really enjoyed that. We think they can go back to that well and uh, movie choice coming. So, yep. So let's yep. Uh, let, let's go ahead and unless Matt, you've got anything to add, let's go ahead and dive in. Mm-hmm, please. Okay, so today we are going to cover Sansa three. I think I said two earlier. It's three. It was famous arts. This is a chapter of mental warfare, frankly, waged against Sansa, a girl. She's in the clutches of her enemies, and they look to use her and take advantage of her basically every way possible. She just tries to keep a grip on reality and wellness. We also get some abominable behavior from Tyrion, who, you know, frankly, he's also a victim in this chapter. Some manipulation, maybe, from Garland and Cersei just being Cersei, which is always manipulative. Anyway, we're going to cover some stuff from just before this chapter, maybe after two. Anyway, there will be spoilers from A Storm of Swords outside of just this chapter, so just be ready. Yeah, fam, and come be fam. Come hang out with your fam. You know how to find us. Email is wearedavosfingers at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Our Twitter handle where we're always hanging out is at Davos Fingers. Um, and you can also find us, of course, on Patreon at patreon.com slash Davos and uh, I've been meaning to start doing this with some of our guests, but to find Megan here on Twitter, her Twitter handle is at SilverShades20. That's at SilverShades20. Track her down and give her a follow. That's right. And so we are going to dive in right now, all three of us, to the chapter summary part one of two. So give a listen. Today is the day. Sansa had been measured for some new clothes by Cersei's own contracted seamstress, and today, she gets to put them on. Cersei's even even donated her own handmaiden to get Sansa ready as well, pampering her with baths and hairbrushing and perfumes and fabrics. And the result, Sansa is gorgeous. It's a a ground. (laughs) This is the stuff that we edit out, Megan. (laughs) It's a gown of silver and white and gray, lace and satin and samite, and she looks like a she looks a beautiful lady. I am, aren't I? She's giddy and absolutely can't wait for Willis to see her. Willis, whom she hoped to marry, just like me, based on some conversations with the Tyrells, and she believes this new look will throw him for a loop. But as she dwells on this small moment of happiness, Cersei can't help but intervene. 
It seems almost obscene to squander such sweet innocence on that gargoyle. Hold the phone. Or don't hold that phone, because Cersei demands a cloak immediately. And produced is a white wedding cloak with a silver direwolf embroidered on the back. Mm. I thought I told you to hold the phone. This is all happening way too fast. Oh no, it's quickly made abundantly clear that Sansa is to marry Tyrion. Without any prior warning, without any agreement or any acknowledgement. No, no, Sansa can't help but exclaim. And she remembers Dantos' warning that they all just want her claim. She refuses, of course, claiming that they have no right. But Cersei dismisses her. A theme for this episode, really. Of course they have the right. Her brother is a traitor, and the crown has control of her fate now. Cry if she must, but she is definitely going to get wedded and bedded. Sir Marin Trent and one of the kettle black lemmings escort her to the set, where she is greeted by Wormlips Joffrey. <laughs> I am your father today. Ooh, this guy, he's awful. Saying he could marry her to whomever he wants, the pig boy, or Illin, or you know, literally anyone. Sansa pleads, "Please don't make me marry her." Uncle? Tyrion interrupts. He asks for a moment alone with Sansa, and he's kind to her as they talk, apologizing for this farce and indicating that he had no real choice in the matter. Well, there was one other option. If not him, they would have married her to Lancel, and Tyrion offers to cancel this wedding so she can have that one if she prefers. I know I am not the sort of husband young girls dream of, Sansa, but neither am I Joffrey. Yeah, but Sansa mostly can think of her puppies, her barge, the dream she had of a life at Highgarden riding and hawking with Willis. And how not? The poor girl must have whiplash at this point. The mental warfare being deployed here is wicked, and it's all the poor girl can do to keep her courtly courtesies. I am Lord of the Throne, and my duty is to marry as the king commands. But she also does remember that Tyrion has been kind to her. And so they both do their duty. The marriage passes as if a dream. Prayers and chants and songs and candles, it all goes off without a hitch until Sansa shows us some of that more stark resolve, Stark with a capital S, refusing to get on her knees so that Tyrion can fasten her bride's cloak. He tugs at her once, twice, insistently. Still, she refuses to kneel. Finally, Dantos is employed to get on his hands and knees so that Tyrion can climb up and reach his bride's shoulders. Cloak deployed, they kiss to seal the deal, Sansa noting that he's even uglier than the Hound. They are now wed, and Sansa has to bite her lip to keep from sobbing. Mm. So, maybe we start at the beginning. Uh, we're here today to talk about Sansa 2, but it, no, sorry, Sansa 3. I did it again. It's just two <laughs> on the brain, I guess. But really, it does this chapter disservice not to talk about Sansa 2 and Sansa 1. Um, and to remember kind of where she came from to get here. She was brought south to marry a future king, really, uh, in Joffrey, something she was very excited for. Uh, the pinnacle of achievement, really, in, in someone like Sansa's mind, at least at least as she a, a girl that Sansa was. And to make a long story short, she suffers a bunch of crippling losses 
and disappointments, even before this book starts. But when this book starts, she's suddenly kind of gifted with a ray of hope, right? She's presented with this future with Willis at Highgarden, where she can kind of get away from the tragedies of King's Landing. But while a far, you know, while a far cry from her original dream of being, you know, the queen of the kingdom, for her where she is now, that's a lifeline, right? For a girl that's that's really kind of in in despair. Mm-hmm. And she latched onto it yeah. tightly before this chapter opened. Mm-hmm. Something she has been dreaming about, thinking about, wondering if she can make Willis love her. It's been her hope for these last you know, few, probably weeks or months as she gets ready for this. And now we get this this moment in this chapter. Correct. That's a good summary. And yeah, High Garden represented, you know, before it was the, the dreams of the social standing when she was going to King's Landing. It was, it literally was, at least by Westerosi standards, um, by Westerosi social standards, it was pretty much the pinnacle of achievement for a woman, right? Becoming for, the queen. Yeah, for social standards and for someone like Sansa, the, the values of thing that Sansa yeah. had. I mean, for the things that she's been taught, the values that she's that have been sown within her, that's the pinnacle moment. And she's been yeah. thinking that's what was going to happen. And it's and she's become... grown a lot since then. I don't want to say it's less than that now, but it's uh, now she's about the security. She's what she's for what Highgarden represents. It's not so much that Highgarden is a great house, which it is a pretty darn great house. Um, but she's not even marrying the great guy within that house. It's not the hero. Well, hold on. Fights. Well, hey, no, let me finish here. <laughs> It's it's not the fights four guys in the yard Garland Tyrell type guy or the member of the King's Guard. It's the guy with the lame leg, um, who's hot as hell. And I would just I can't say what I'd like to do to him. I'd be ungentlemanly. Um, no, <laughs> hasn't stopped us before. Uh, no, it really hasn't. But um, it, she's out for that that peace now Sansa's become a seeker of peace i think stability um, safety stability and who could yeah. blame her yeah megan were you gonna say something oh yeah i mean i just think about how she had that dream of becoming queen and you know joffrey just destroyed that by being himself <laughs> unfortunately and then she clings so tightly you know, to Willis and hoping, you know, well, this time it's going to be different. And here comes the Lannisters again uh, to just ruin that dream as well. And it does really set Tyrion up for a a really uphill battle uh, because not only is, you know, Tyrion not a gallant knight or, you know, the most attractive Mm -hmm. man, he's also way older than her, but also, he's a Lannister. Um, and honestly, I I feel like for Sansa, that might be really the thing that's keeping her from bridging that gap with him. It's not so much that he's ugly, but that he's a Lannister. Yeah, yeah that's true. She comments on the ugliness a lot. 
but there's that underlying feeling of just not just animosity, but real fear uh, yeah. of them and their family. Yeah. yeah been I the mean, cause of all of this. Yeah. But, but I mean, I, she can't, I, I think it's very difficult for Sansa and, and rightly so to disassociate Tyrion from the Lannister direction in general. Right. And, He's right. part of it, and ugly or not, I don't. I don't really know that that's what it's about. I mean, she does dwell on that, and I think we'll talk about it maybe a little bit more specifically later. But to me, it's right. it's more about the timing in this chapter. Like she doesn't have a second to even fucking think about it. It's whiplash. Yeah. It's yeah. all of a sudden I'm marrying this guy who stood up for me once, and I don't know what to think, and I'm still in their clutches and terrified. And I mean, there's a lot got to be going on in that head that has nothing to do with Tyrion at all, really. And yeah. the fact that he's yeah. ugly is probably not helping. Just say that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do I need to ask this question? Why do you think, I don't know that I need to ask it, but why do you think Cersei went through and allowed Sansa mm. to get all dressed up in the dress. She literally waited until Sansa said that giddy line. I am pretty, aren't I? Cersei waited for that moment for Sansa to just revel in how pretty she felt. To drop that hammer. Yeah. Yeah, that that's actually one of the things I was thinking is, is like, what is Cersei thinking in this scene um it does she see herself in Sansa at all because she had uh something similar happen to her mm -hmm. I mean Robert was surface level seemed great right um so I think in at the moment that she married Robert probably it, it wasn't like how Sansa's feeling but with all she experienced with Robert afterwards, I'm sure she thinks back on that and the memory is tainted, right? Mm -hmm. So, is she seeing herself at all in Sansa? It doesn't really seem like it because it seems like she's kind of gloating, almost. Like, oh, you just have to do what I say. I kind of wonder if it has to do with this. Is she thinking of the prophecy? Mm. Is she thinking Sansa's that younger, more beautiful queen? And she's just like, ha! Gotcha. Mm -hmm. <laughs> gotcha. But yeah, it, it is rough because it's like, come on, Cersei, you've been through this yourself. You should have at least some inkling of how hard this is. Right. Yeah. I mean, the fandom knows I'm no Cersei defender at all. I mean, even if she saw it, I feel like she'd exploit it. Um, there's some behavior later that is pretty heartless from her that we'll get to. Yeah. Um, but it is, I mean, so so this dress has been um, has been bought for Sansa from Cer by Cersei using her own seamstress in Sansa 2. Um, and it's a little interesting because that chapter happens before the chapter where we actually learn that Tyrion's going to marry Sansa, which is interesting. It implies Cersei knew that Sansa was getting married, Um I'm not sure if she knew at that point that she was getting married to Tyrion, but she's requisitioning a dress for before Joffrey's wedding for Sansa, which implies maybe that she knew before before it was actually official. And even the seamstress herself in that chapter has a moment where she says something like, uh, it, it'll be all the clothes befitting 
It sounds like she, a cloak, all the clothes and a cloak befitting a, instead of bride, she says a woman of normal, of, of, of noble birth. Right. Which implies that she also knows that there's a woman coming for her. Um, so it sounds like Sansa knew this, or, or sorry, Cersei knew this uh, before it was even requisitioned. And yeah, I agree with you, Megan. It almost feels like it's just rubbing it in. It's just yeah. cruelty. Yeah, like misery loves company, and who's more miserable than Cersei? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, she's also, I think, uh, she knows that she's going to have to probably marry Willis, or at least that's been said, I think, in the previous right. Tyrion yeah, chapter. Yeah. So maybe this is her way of being like, well, if I have to do something oh, I don't want to do, <laughs> then I'm going to make this yeah. miserable for Sansa too. I didn't think about that, but that's yeah. a good point. That's what I was just thinking about as well, is that, you know, it's what's really sad about this is, you know, Cersei went through so long, so many years, over a decade of being the abused. Mm. And... Still is. Um, now. To be fair. But... Yeah. Sure. Sure. And at, at the hands of her husband, I should say. Sure. Um, there's, there's, you know, there's abuse from her father that we'll probably get into um, from others as well. But at the hands of a husband, you know, at Robert, um, you know, over a decade of that. And now she's stepping into that role herself. And that's what's really tragic and pretty heartbreaking about this. Uh, that she, here was someone who was forced to marry into an unwanted marriage. Like you said, Megan, it, it, there's that inkling. I, I think it's in A Feast for Crows where she thinks about how happy she was for that moment on her wedding day when she saw how strapping Robert looked and everything, which is in stark contrast to the way Cersei see, or um, Sansa sees Tyrion and how unstrapping he looks to her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, there was that moment of happiness, but that all went out the door pretty quickly, as we learn. And then now, like you said, Megan, too, she's being forced into an unwanted marriage <laughs> again, just a few, yeah. a couple chapters prior to Willis Tyrell. And she is taking on that role of, yeah, maybe rubbing it in. Um, but I, I just don't know if she can't help but hurt. Uh, mm. And that's really tragic and heartbreaking. Cycle of abuse, right? Yeah. So yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Do you, to lighten it a little, do you think Sansa would have been happy with Willis? Oh, no question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. It's hard to say because, you know, we hear all this great stuff about Willis, but we've still never met him. Yeah, I tend to believe it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Queen of Thorns tells us he's no oaf. We know that she mm-hmm. knows what an oaf is because she calls her own son an oaf. Uh, but she seems to have a high opinion of Willis. And we get the story in this chapter from Garland, Garland. supporting Willis, kind of being a good dude. We hear uh, good things from Oberyn. Uh, I think it's a future chapter with Terry. Oberyn! Good things from Oberyn, you guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> right. That should Who tell you something. mostly only says good things about himself. So Yeah, the um, character references yeah. are there, for sure. Yeah, they're there. I, I mean, I think we're meant to believe it. Um, I think I know there are a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, feeling in the fandom that you know the Tyrells are just kind of out to get people. Uh, I've always kind of liked them. I mm. kind of felt like they were mm. not the good guys for sure, but kind of well, kind of yeah. well well adjusted people, kinda. 
Yeah. Protecting yeah, their they, own. They for feel sure. a little bit like the the Lannisters, but without all the trauma, <laughs> right? Like they're okay. they're still without wanting the Tywin, to right? to get what's for them. Pretty functional family. Yeah, they're not looking out to harm people. Like Marjorie would never, you know, pull this on Sansa and you know, almost laugh about sending her to a marriage she hates. But sure. Cersei's like gloating about it. Sure. So. I I actually I saw this from um, Stephen Atwell, a, a Song of Ice and Fire content creator who I love. I've talked about him before. Scion. And he says, um, yeah, for real though. And he 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 described them as doing. I'm not getting the words exactly right. Doing their best to get to the top, but doing it as gracefully as possible. As as oathfully possible. Sure, sure. I'll take that. I'll take that. I do remember he used the word gracefully, but doing it with a fair amount of grace. Maybe not as gracefully as possible, but a fair amount of grace. I like that. I I like the way that's put because it's, it's, uh, you know, they're not perfect but they're not the sure. damn Lannisters either. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Dantos calls yeah. them uh, the Lannisters with flowers or something like that uh, in, in the previous chapter. And I think yeah. that's a little unfair, but not, you know, they're still out for themselves for sure. Sure. Yeah. C- can I ask this question? I, I read a little bit about this uh, today online as I was reading up on a few things. Do you think, and this does pertain a little bit to some previous chapters as well, but do you think that Queen of Thorns and Marjorie actually ever intended to marry Sansa to Willis. I do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just because Winterfell, I mean, Sansa is basically the heir. Yeah. Um, and although Rob's doing really well, I don't think anyone's expecting him to win everything. Uh, the whole battle against the Lannisters, especially now that the Tyrells are backing the Lannisters. So, I think that they probably did. Yeah, um, Yeah, I kind point. of baited the trap a little lightly. Um, the, the reason it's brought up in places is is because why tell Sansa at that dinner? There's no reason to tell her. The only reason maybe to tell her is that you don't trust her to keep a secret and she'll leak it and then you'll know somebody leaks it back. And then, you know, you've lost nothing really other than understanding where some loyalties lie. Uh, specifically, what happens is that Dantos, we think, leaks it back to Littlefinger, and Littlefinger then leaks it back to the Lannisters, and that's how they, you know, Sansa indirectly has kind of wrecked her own her own happily ever after, right? I mean, she's she's told Dantos, who told Littlefinger, who told the Lannisters, and then they've, you know, married her to Tyrion, and she she actually has a line in this chapter. Oh, and Dantos, but he didn't count. As, as somebody right. that knew. He absolutely uh, counted. He absolutely counted. <laughs> he was the only one that counted in this case. Uh, but it's just, a, it's an interesting question because, you know, there's there's no real incentive to tell Sansa at that moment, you know? Well, they didn't know about Dantos, obviously. No. And I would assume that they probably just didn't think that there would be anyone that she would tell. Mm-hmm. Because she's just yeah. surrounded by the Lannisters, and she's definitely and, not going to tell and them. They've felt her out in regards to the Lannisters. They know that she right. hates them. I think that that was that part of that dinner, lunch party, whatever brunch, whatever it was, was to feel out her allegiance and see where she was at. And yeah. I, to your point, Megan, I think they were pretty confident in her ability to keep it quiet. But they, so, but yeah. but just to like devil's advocate for a minute, 
they literally, just then, two minutes prior, weaseled information out of her that she wasn't supposed to give up about Joffrey being evil. And yes. so, like, yeah, they true. literally just did the same thing somebody could do to her to not keep that secret. So, I, I get it. I, maybe they, they felt like she was pretty isolated and didn't have anyone to talk to. Right. Yeah, it was, yeah, she, that her feelings were pretty, uh, she was pretty traumatized and her feelings were pretty anti-Lannister. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, like, they got that out of her by being kind to her. Mm. And maybe they just assumed that Cersei just ain't gonna even do it. be kind. <laughs> ain't gonna do it. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Politically, it's it's an interesting move, though. You've got Marjorie engaged to Joffrey. Mm-hmm. Then you would have Willis engaged to the sister of Joffrey's greatest enemy right now. Mm-hmm. And no, greatest right. threat. It's an interesting conflict. It's an interesting political move. Um, Now, if they were, we know they're planning to oust Joffrey. So it almost looks like, to me, it looks like they are looking for a way out of this alliance with the Lannisters. And maybe they're looking at knocking off the Lannisters one by one, starting with Joffrey. To then be able to show Rob Stark, we're with you. You know, you seen the movie Heavyweights? We're with you. We love you. It's a great movie, guys. Um, and uh, and be able to switch allegiance to him pretty seamlessly, which would help if uh, our oldest son, who actually happens to be a pretty decent guy, is married to Rob's sister. So, so you you think their long makes some play sense. is to actually ally with the Starks? I see. I, why not? Why not? Why well, why bring Sansa yeah. into this? She's a tainted at this point. Uh, why else bring her into the family? Oh, just it's well. A if long you think play. about it, they really can't. They can't lose, mm-hmm. right? If Rob loses, they have the heir to Winterfell. If Rob wins, point. they have. Well, we're married to your sister. We're we're in laws. You got. That's yeah. so good. You got to be nice yeah. to us. Yeah, it's a way of playing both sides, and yeah, yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit, yeah, yeah. That's more the mm-hmm. way I saw it. That they were counting on him losing and then having the seat, but. uh you're right it keeps kind of the options open right it sure does and either way you've got loris tyrell in the king's guard so whether it's protecting joffrey or mm. tommen or or you know who knows rob stark someday uh you've got someone there on the inside so. okay so we although have rob this... stark was never going for the iron throne right he always just wanted to be the king in the north that's what he said yeah right so we have this whole scene, this whole setup with Sansa getting this beautiful dress. She's so happy. She's going to go blow Willis Tyrell out of his Birkenstocks. Did I just say that? I don't even, I don't even own those. Where did no, that come from? No, no. They're not new balance. My notes. They're white new balances. White They're new white balances. new balances. I, I feel like he's no, a barefoot No, I see him as kind of a guy. He's, he's yeah, really barefoot, an animal. He's a barefoot guy. Yeah. Barefoot sandals, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah maybe like some his, moccasins. He's wearing his trousers yeah. rolled up, kind of mm-hmm. wearing some yeah, boat shoes, maybe. Yeah, um, no socks for sure. Anyway, so we have this scene where Sansa's <laughs> really excited about the new clo- the new duds, uh, and then George does one of his things that I love best. He flips the scene on its head with a single sentence. Um, I mean, you know, we all knew it was coming. We've known that Tyrion was going to marry Sansa. We'd known it was coming, but with Cersei's uh, 
too bad we have to waste on the gargoyle uh, line. The whole scene just and flipped. And then we get some whole new emotion. Which is, mm-hmm. no. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Absolute horror. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some but strong it does take you. Sansa, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And just like in Jurassic Park, where John Hammond says, the only one on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. It's the only one on her side is the blood-sucking kettle black. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Whose couple words of comfort there, whether well-intentioned or not, are, are actually pretty it's pretty nice of him and it, it's kind of what gives her the strength to okay say yeah. okay i'm gonna do this but yeah yeah it's yeah i actually wrote in my notes i was like wow that came from yeah. a kind of like yeah. that's right, right osmond. <laughs> is it osmond i forgot uh it's osmond. still manipulative though uh be brave like your family yeah don't uh you know don't uh don't react sure. normally like you are to this which is you know yeah an affront to all humanity be brave like right. your family would want you to be how do you know what right. her family would want her to do right now osmond just it's just it's the fact that he said anything at all i think <laughs> he's you know there's the marin trant that stands and looks at her flexing his glove hand you know ready to smack her he's, he's got like the, this guy who who says something at least he's like the nurse on er that walks around in the background of the scene, like doing laps on episode of ER every time. But like this week, he got a line. <laughs> this week, he's like, stat! And he's like one word. He's like really happy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, I was looking at, um, you know, I think you both read this stuff too, but when... Tywin in a previous Tyrion chapter, I think it's Tyrion three of storm brings up that he's marrying Tyrion to Sansa. Um, and we actually see that, that what Tyrion tells Sansa before they step into the chapel to get married is true. He fought pretty darn hard, um, for Sansa and he did it. it, He kind of was thinking almost more about her than himself now maybe the same but he was thinking about her in this uh he says his grace the royal pustule joffrey has made sansa's life a misery since the day her father died and now that she's finally rid of joffrey you propose to marry her to me that seems singularly cruel even for you father tywin asks why do you plan to mistreat her such a jerk tywin the girl's happiness is not my purpose, nor should it be yours. Our alliances in the south may be as solid as Castle Rock, but there remains the north to win. Blah, 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 blah. And Tyrion brings up, she's no more than a child. Uh, and, of course, Tywin responds with, Nope, she's flowered. She's a woman. She's fit to be wed. And you have to take her maidenhead. <laughs> he basically orders to, and that's going to come up later in the chapter, right? Um, after that, if you prefer to wait a year or two before betting her again, you would be within your rights as her husband. Ugh. Tywin's so awful. <laughs> I mean, women's it's, it's... bodies are, are, uh, political ends, right? Yeah. It's the world they live in. I don't mean to make light of it for sure, but I mean, it's, it's the, it's the reality of what they think they have to do politically to 
to seal off this this whole conflict and you know echoing one of tywin's i mean i hate tywin dude sucks but like echoing from his his earlier thoughts or it might even be even be in that same chapter what's worse you know killing ten thousand men in war or killing 12 at dinner mm-hmm. i think it's later actually it's much later when we find out about the red wedding right. but um mm-hmm. but you know it it echoes the same line of thought you know what do i have to do to secure this victory and that's that's what tywin's all about and he sucks i'm not gonna fight that for sure but Tyr- Tyrion's defense matt that you bring up is yeah i mean he's defending he also in that same chapter kind of says ah seriously so weak she just gave in she should fight against it why doesn't she fight harder against this guy and he's still like eh, okay yeah i'll marry you like he didn't fight hard either you know like he sees this child that you know he has no business marrying and he says a couple things but it feels i don't know feels feels a little a little bit mm. of a weak defense if he really wants to put up a fight after just accusing seriously of not doing the same and his mm. and his fight in this chapter too he gives the little speech here uh you know uh i didn't have a choice i'm sorry this took so long i would have liked to come to earlier um you know but my father thought it would be safer if we waited uh but oh by the way there's this other option if you'd rather marry lancel you know you can i can call this whole farce off like what's she really gonna do with that moment everybody's waiting she's got the dress on is she really gonna be like oh yeah no i'll marry i'll marry lancel is she really gonna do that like she's been pushed and shoved and mentally constrained into this path and like you're coming to her at the sept steps and being like hey man how would you like another option? Like, no. Like, it's it's too far gone. I, I feel like if he, as usual, Tyrion is thinking of himself and doesn't fight enough, in my opinion. Megan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'll get into this in the second half of the chapter a lot, too. It's like, Tyrion seems to feel like they're in this together and that it's bad for both of them. And, like, it 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 is is bad for both of them, but, like, Tyrion might get humiliated. Sansa could die. Like, if she says no, you know, she's gonna have one of the Kingsguard, you know, pulling her in there and holding her in place while they make her say those words. Mm. Like, it's it's really not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, what has she already gone through? I mean, she publicly was stripped and beaten, and that was for something she didn't even do. Uh, you know, so, like, yeah, it's not great for Tyrion, but he seems to try to to win her to his side by being like, oh, isn't this bad for both of us? And Sansa's just like, please don't kill me. Yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> it reminds me a yeah. little of uh, Chasing Amy, Matt, a little bit. I don't know, Megan, if you've seen Chasing Amy, but uh, yes. Holden McNeil confesses his love to Alyssa Jones, and she, I don't remember the exact monologue, although I should, it's one of my favorites in all of film. Uh, she She says, oh, how easy for you. Nothing changes for you. My whole life gets turned into upheaval. You know, you get a girlfriend out of this. My whole life has changed. Well, Tyrion gets to continue living at court. He's got his family all around him. Has all the advantages, including Shay, who he gets to continue dealing with. And Sansa gets the shaft. Not literally. I meant that figuratively. 
for the rest of her life being tied to the Lannisters. It's not the same trade-off. And he kind of... He's trying to help. It's just... It, I feel like it's... It's it's just not enough to like... Man, what do you want? A cookie? Like, try harder. That's the way I feel about it now. I didn't feel about that. I didn't feel that way the first time we covered this chapter. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I would say, I think Tyrion has some legitimate trauma, especially totally. because of what Tywin forced him to do in the past. Um, and, you know, this whole you have to take our maidenhead thing sort of echoes what happened uh, with Taisha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that really keeps him from really considering how much worse it is for Sansa. Like, he's just a little trapped in his own trauma. Um, not that that's an excuse, but like... Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I, I quibble a bit. I disagree with, with, with Scad with you a little bit um, for that exact reason. I'm putting myself in Tyrion's head, and we've discussed this on the podcast before, that he's gone through a fair amount of trauma and abuse at the hand of his father. And he somehow has developed, I don't pretend to understand it, Megan, maybe you understand it a little bit better than I do, or could speak to it at least, um, better than I could. But he has this hatred, this intense, deep, and undeniable hatred for his father but he also wants nothing more than to please his father. He really wants his dad to notice him um, and to acknowledge him. That's what I'm looking for. He really wants, we see it throughout Game of Thrones. We see it throughout Clash of Kings. We see it here. He desperately wants his father to acknowledge him and his achievements. Um, And so I think about that as it's coming from when Tyrion is putting up this defense, is it enough for Sant to truly protect Sansa? No, you are absolutely correct, Scott. For anybody, it is not enough. He doesn't put up enough of a fight. He doesn't kick and scream enough. Is it as much as Tyrion in his emotional state and in his relationship with his father could do? Probably pretty darn close to it, I think, for Tyrion. Um, and uh, it's interesting that this, this chapter, the marriage and everything, is from Sansa's POV instead of Tyrion's. Mm-hmm. And if this were from Tyrion's POV, we'd probably be thinking very differently about Sansa, particularly in the kneeling down wedding cloak scene. Um, so I think it was very interesting that George picked Sansa to be the POV, and I'm glad he did because it really helps us see a lot of things yeah i understand that perspective i'm not sure whether Tyrion was capable of more or not he's certainly a victim i have that note in here several times uh you know about him being they're both victims in this chapter i just feel like and again it is from sansa's pov but i feel like he well consistently through the series also in this chapter paints himself as the bigger victim among the people in the chapters that he's in and he should be able to see how much worse this is for Sansa than it is for him and I'm I think he does some but I you know it's it's a hard thing to disagree on that one it's 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 hard it's a hard thing to turn on and off I think people see the personality yeah you know I think I think more people will side with you 
been with me. <laughs> Tyrion's become a pretty unpopular character in the fandom. <laughs> well, and, and when you compare it to Jamie and Cersei, um, because that has always been, like, their relationship fascinates me um, from the perspective of, like, abuse. It's an abusive relationship. Mm. And really, Cersei is the one who is abusing Jamie. Um, but Jamie has so much more power than her in this society just because mm-hmm. he's a man that it's often really hard to see that. Um, but actually, it's it's uh, Cersei is just really a textbook case of an abuser really? um, when you when you get into looking at. And I didn't even notice it the first uh, couple of times that I. I read the series, but I think it's funny because a lot of people talk about Jamie as being on a redemption arc. And for me, I see Jamie more as someone who is breaking out of the cycle of abuse. Hmm. And, and, uh, but at the same time, he still needs to acknowledge, you know, the privilege that he does have. Because when he he's interacting with Brienne and he's you know being a dick to her, calling her all kinds of yeah. names and things like that, he's thinking you know that's how I should act because that's how I act with Cersei and it's and it's like but buddy like you're Brienne's not trying to to force you into anything she's just doing her job and you're just kind of being a dick and uh, yeah I don't know it's just it's really fascinating and then to see like. Tyrion and Sansa and and it's it's sort of the same thing like Tyrion is sort of an abuser to Sansa in this situation but not really like he's been he's also being forced into this situation but he's just kind of perpetuating I guess one of them it. is more of a victim than the other <laughs> he's just yeah. he's, I'm sorry? he's just kind of perpetuating it and and I'm you know it's, it's kind of like yeah. um you know you see a building on fire and you don't put it out. It's like, well, is it your responsibility to put that out? You didn't start it. You're not a superhero. You can't put out the fire all by yourself. But you also didn't right. try too much. You like yelled or something. You know, I mean, it's not a perfect sure. analogy, but um, you know, yeah. th- th- these cycles are incredibly difficult to stop, especially when you're a right. victim yourself, as Tyrion is. And so, I'm not really saying necessarily that he's bad or at fault or wrong in this chapter so much as i'm saying the barricades he's putting up i don't know if he thought they were enough but there's no way they are and if he's fooling himself into thinking they are you know maybe he's doing a disservice to himself because they are yeah it's i i see it as someone who's who's given up and he's like okay this is going to happen I've seen my dad has been strong arming me and everybody Betty I know his whole life. My father has always gotten his way, except for maybe when Ares knighted Jamie. (laughs) And in the end, who's still alive and who's not alive? (laughs) Tywin's still around. And Ares died at Jamie's hand. So you could maybe say that Tywin still won in that regard too. Tywin has always gotten his way. And Tyrion has seen it for Tyrion's whole life. 
And so for him at this point, it's, and I'm not saying he's right on this. Sansa is the greatest victim of all in this. And, and I, uh, my heart broke for her 20 times over reading this chapter. And Tyrion's at the point where he's like, this is going to happen. Dad always gets his way. I'm going to try to make this. We're going to get married. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to make this as good for you as possible. I'm going to try to be good to you. Um, we'll, we'll get into the second half of the chapter later. Yeah. So yeah. this is up to this point, up to yes. this point, up to this point, yes. I'm going to try to make this as comfortable for you as possible. Um, here's this other choice, which really isn't a choice in my mind. We'll talk to about that when we get to the kneeling thing. Um, uh, I'm going to try to make this as comfortable for you as possible. Let's get through this together. Like you guys both kind of poo-pooed that a little bit and I get where you're coming from. I totally get where you're coming through yeah. on this. But for him, it was like, let's get through this together. We can make the most out of it. We're stronger together than we are apart. Let's let's do this thing. Okay, let's go. All right. Well, and it's funny because as much as Tyrion knocks on himself for what he looks like and for being a dwarf and and not being, you know, the typical knightly, lordly guy that he should be as a highborn person, he's still kind of buying into this, like, I can still be Sansa's white knight. Mm. I can still make this work. Um, And I don't think that he's fully, like, aware that he's thinking that, that he's buying into that narrative because he's very, like, cynical, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not Jamie, like, that's what Jamie would do. Um, and I think on one hand, he's like playing the victim as well, which he is somewhat a victim in this scenario. But on the other hand, he's also like, but maybe we can still have a normal relationship and I can show Sansa that I can be, you know, this knightly person in in spirit, if not in, you know, form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's a little bit of that, too, is, like, he's thinking, you know, he's offering her, a, you can marry Lancel instead, but he's thinking, but I would be the better choice. Like, you wouldn't actually want Lancel, right? Like, I actually he don't doesn't... think he's wrong. Lancel, or, or yeah. me. I just right. meant, 20 minutes yeah. ago when I brought it up, I just meant that I don't think he's really offering her a real choice. He knows that ship has sailed right. and that that's not happening. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And that it's a, yes. it's a false choice. There's... Right. They even say in that Tyrion chapter, like, Lancel wouldn't be able to yeah. consummate. So <laughs> that basically means, like, he's not, he's an not a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Here's where I say it's also not a choice, though, is that for Sansa, it is a little bit about marrying Tyrion specifically. And she talks about his looks, and she's obviously being forced into this either way. What's more um, traumatizing for her is marrying a Lannister. Period. 100%. Being a part of this family who has completely wrecked her life, who's destroyed everything that she loves, loved, and dreams of. Lannisters have destroyed all of that. So when I say Tyrion's not giving her a choice, that's why. Because either way, it's Tyrion Lannister or Lancel Lannister. Yeah. When she had the expectation of Highgarden. Highgarden. So for her... It's not a choice. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's get to the part where Tyrion is a victim in this in this part of the chapter, which is Sansa seizing the power, and I guess the only way she really can, 
yeah. in a moment during the ceremony itself where she refuses uh, refuses to acknowledge him pulling on her skirt to kneel so that he can reach her shoulders to adorn her with the cloak. Uh, what do you guys feel about this moment? I love this moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's my second favorite Sansa moment, the first being in Game of Thrones when she thinks about just shoving Joffrey <laughs> off of the off of the, <laughs> off of the railing. Yeah. yeah. Alright, alright. Uh, Tell yeah. us more. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know, I, I think you're right, it's the only way that she can have any power in this situation. Yeah. And she takes it. Yeah. Um, she immediately feels bad about it too afterwards. When she turns she around. thinks I shouldn't have done that. You know, I just embarrassed him and and that was kinda of crappy of me to do. Mm-hmm. Uh you know It's, it's but uh, it's a- at the same time I would have done that. <laughs> I would have done that in that situation. I would be like, Nope, screw you. I don't wanna be here. Uh, it's my wedding day. I'm not going to kneel on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, looking at it from our perspective, it's. It maybe is a little petty, you know, this mm-hmm. little thing you could easily do. Yeah. Just get on your knees and avoid him the, the embarrassment. But like, I mean, he didn't. He didn't deserve the embarrassment necessarily. But like, drop in the bucket compared to what she must be feeling in that moment. Her whole life, she's been thinking about getting married and the way it's going to go and all these things and like you know what? I'll give it to her. Like, you know, like not a great moment. I am in general, like looking at every action independently in general. I'm like, let's try not to hurt each other guys. Like any of us to anyone else. Let's try to be kind. So in general, yeah, Sansa dick move. Like in the context of like, she just went from high garden to Tyrion in the matter of like an hour. It's like, okay, her head's probably swimming. Like I'll forgive it. Still, course i don't love it it's it's a dick move yeah and this is where it's great to get sansa as the pov rather than Tyrion, right yeah. because if we'd been reading this from Tyrion's pov we'd be saying a lot of bad things about sansa right now when right. she did that yeah. to him but here we get to see it and we get to see that uh, every day that she's been at king's landing but particularly this day she has not had a choice in anything like we've talked about you're marrying this guy Tyrion gives her the quote-unquote choice of one Lannister or the other Lannister, which isn't a choice. Joffrey freaking fondles her, sexually abuses her in front of everybody, and she can't do a thing about it. Again, no choice. Mm-hmm. This is her one opportunity to, we've been bringing Rage Against the Machine into our podcast a lot lately, Scad. take the power back. You got to take the power back. And it's a small way for her to do that. You know, I've I've been sympathizing with Tyrion a little bit. I'm glad that she was able to have that moment. And I'm even more glad that she was able to recognize and work through her feelings right after that as she looked at Tyrion. And, um, you know, she didn't have to suddenly feel bad. And she did. And I think that speaks a lot to her character as well. Um, but I, I love this moment, too, with Sansa. Yeah. yeah. And... The way that it read, it it felt like kneeling down would have been embarrassing to her as well. Mm. So to me, it almost felt like, well, we can both be embarrassed (laughs) or he can just be embarrassed. I mean, this whole thing (laughs) is an embarrassment to her. I guess guess you could argue like you're already at the the lowest point 
just kneel down. But it's a, at the same time, yeah, I, I don't begrudge it, really. It's a zero-sum game for both of them. <laughs> yeah. It, they really this are whole in thing this one is, together. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's either it's sacrificing if for her to preserve some sort of dignity and agency means humiliating him and vice versa for Tyrion yeah. to do what he's feels like he has to do Supposed because to dad be. is commanding it. It comes at her humiliation. He tells her like, we're in this together. We can get, or he at least implies that we'll do this together. But really it's one or the other is zero sum. And uh, that sucks. It sucks for both of them. I really think it does suck for both of them. They're both victims in this chapter. I agree. One is a bigger, one is getting embarrassed. The other one is getting sexually abused and controlled Mm -hmm. and manipulated. So like, I just, and I'm not saying you you are equating them, Matt. It's just Tyrion not seeing that these are totally different scenarios or at least us. I mean, you're right. We don't get his POV. So if it were in his POV, maybe we would know that he does see that, but but I don't think he, it seems like he equates them like, ah, we're in the same boat. Well, no, you're not. Not really. One's embarrassment. They're in the same situation. Yep. It's the same, it's the same wave. One of them's got a yacht and one of them's got a canoe. There's, there's, there's potentially yeah. different stakes. I will. Yeah. I'll absolutely concede that point that there are different stakes involved. Like Megan said, death potentially yeah uh, although yeah. i don't know maybe tywin's running out of patience with Tyrion and is ready Fair. to knock him off i don't know but i mean Tyr- he has already tried to do it once is, which is a very interesting point about tywin that we don't have time for tonight we'll discuss it at another right. time is why hasn't tywin just killed Tyrion yet but <clears throat> it's an well, interesting and if question you compare songs of not kneeling to later in the chapter where Tyrion kind of goes overboard insulting Joffrey to stop mm-hmm. the betting. I mean, he's doing the same thing Sansa's doing right yep. now. Yeah. He's trying to take back a little bit of power. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, when he does that, I'm just like, oh Tyrion, that was so stupid. Like <laughs> you know, and then at the end of the book <laughs> <laughs> Right. At the end of the book when he's at his trial and you think back to all of the horrible things that he's said to Joffrey in front yeah. of Tywin yeah. and Cersei. I'm just like, dude, dig in your own grave. But like he's doing the same thing. That's true. Right? Yep. He's like, This is where I draw my line. Mm-hmm. This is maybe that small battle I can win and yet, in this war that I'm losing. And yet you and I are forgiving Sansa yeah, for it. And uh well I don't know if we'll forgive Tyrion for it. I guess we'll get there in the next section. For now, unless you guys yeah. have more, should we get to get to know Megan a little bit? Yeah. You guys have I more for this I'm, section first? Uh, we get an appearance from Philip Foote, one of my favorites. <laughs> Obviously House Foot. for that name. Yeah. <laughs> Footy. There go. Footy's there. <laughs> all right. Uh, Anything no, else, uh, Megan, that you wanted to cover in that section? I mean, I just, I have to say this because it comes up a lot and it has absolutely nothing to do with what we were talking Ooh. about. But what is with George R. R. Martin and the perfume on the nipples thing, man? Yes. <laughs> like, you it's don't do in that, several Danny chapters, that's, that's, too. I'm not just... That's where I do it. It's the only place. <laughs> Mine smell amazing. I'm just like, what is with this, man? <laughs> yeah, is there something uh, glandular or something? <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know, man. No, you're right. I... If anyone in the Kalisar knows the benefits of perfume on nipples, uh, could you please let us know? Because you're right. It yeah, I would think you'd want, months. like, under your arm, sure. right? Like, yeah. that's where your arms yeah. are. But... <laughs> yeah. 
no, you're not. You're not wrong. I, I feel like there's a whole thread <laughs> out there already about George's weird body stuff, both sexual and non-sexual. He's just got weird body stuff. Yeah, nipples come up with him a lot in a lot of different contexts. No. Yeah, some of his favorite body parts to describe for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Megan, let's get to know you a little bit. Please. The first question we always ask everyone is, who are you? What do you do? What, what drives you? What moves you through, through life? Yeah. Um, well, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but I am a social worker. Um, and I currently am working somewhat adjacent to public health. Uh, I work with people living with HIV. Um, so <laughs> the past few years have been Real interesting dealing with a global pandemic, uh, and uh, yeah. Um, but I, uh, I just like people. I like to help people. Um, I grew up pretty poor myself, mm-hmm. so <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know. When I grew up, I was like, I just want to make the world better. So that's. That's what I'm doing. That's what, that is what you were doing. Yeah. 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 You experienced yeah. a lot as a child. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, and and you're a valuable part of, of this fandom, obviously. And, uh, man, some of the stuff you've shared with us already just in this last hour has been incredible. Um, but besides the Song of Ice and Fire, any other fandoms, any other things that you love? We know you're a, a voracious reader. You've got a list a mile long of books oh, yeah. to read. <laughs> What else loves yes. you, or do you love? Uh, I'm also uh, really into video games. I love video games, uh, particularly Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, uh, I am all about Final Fantasy fourteen right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 14 Final Fantasies? Uh, there's actually 15. Oh, my goodness. 14 is uh, the MMO, so that one's the one that's online. Um, and someone got it for me the Christmas before COVID hit. So we could play together, and uh, yeah, I've just been playing that since COVID started. Wow. <laughs> so there's like three expansions, and a fourth one coming out this fall. So it's kind of like actually several games, not just yeah. Just keep adding on to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel I feel like video games yeah, are, are the uh, new movies, right? Like, they're, they're yeah. I mean, so many. So much effort and so many people, so much, so much human effort. Voice talent and yeah, voice yeah. talent, but but also the expansions. It's like, well, there's a sequel. We'll get it. It's just like Marvel with the Avengers. Like, right. okay, two years we're coming out with an, an expansion, and the year after that, like it's a whole, it's like a journey. It's not even, you know, I played Shining Force as a yeah. kid, but there, this is like, you know, you got whole epic level storytelling and voice acting. I'm a fan mm-hmm. of Critical Role. Yeah, I'm one of the shirts. Uh, you know, they get like professional voice acting talent that is amazing to tell sure. these stories. But oh, yeah. yeah, so final is is Final Fantasy kind of like your your fandom jam outside of this? Yeah, I used to be really into Harry Potter, but mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling's made that harder and harder yeah. through the years. That's so, that's so heartbreaking. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I still like the books, but yeah. I just don't want to interact yeah. with. The, in the fandom yeah. overall 
Which is too bad Stuff because it's happening. been such an important part of so many people's lives. And it still can be. Yeah. I don't see yeah. there's any reason why yeah. people can't still love Harry Potter and that world. Yeah. But unfortunately, because of the things that she has said, it's really made it difficult for a lot of people. Whether they want it to be difficult yeah. or not, you always have it in the back of your mind. It's like me with The Cosby Show. I've said that before on the podcast. It's, my, it's one of my yeah. favorite TV shows of all time, but I still have a tough time separating, you know, sure. the obvious there. Yeah. yeah. That one's a rough one for a lot of people. I think. Oh, it should be. Yeah. Joss too. Megan and I talked about Joss earlier in the week. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Joss was one of my favorite creators. I love Firefly. And, you know, Firefly's amazing and Buffy and yeah. I've been watching a lot of Agents of Shield, like uh, which is a cut below those. But um, you know, I, it's been a, it's been hard. You know, like separating art from artist, and can you just separate the story for what it was when it was written and made? And right. And, and yeah. take the people away from it. Um, can you and should you? It's 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 an interesting dilemma for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's one of those things where everyone just has to decide on Agreed. their own. Yeah. Like, Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm also really into uh, tabletop board games. Oh yeah, cool, cool. Um, yeah. Which ones are some of uh, your favorites? Ooh, uh, actually, it's kind of a Harry Potter knockoff, but it's called Big. Big Book of Madness, um, and it's about these kids that go to a magical school, um, huh, and they story. have to, uh, <laughs> yeah, they have to stop these monsters that come out of this book, and it's really cool. It's like it's co-op. Huh. It's a little bit of a deck building hmm. game, a little bit of a like resource management game. I don't know. It's a lot of fun. I like I like to play co-op games. I, I like co-op games too can get competitive but i don't know some people are just not fun to play competitive games but they get a little too it i much prefer co-op games <laughs> than, 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 than competitive games maybe that's why i love D yeah, so much uh, i am not into yeah. any sort of gaming at all tabletop video whatever is co-op just mean that you work together rather than competing against each other there's yes. got to be someone yeah, out there it's... listening who also doesn't know that answer. So I wanted to clarify. <laughs> well done, Matt. Yeah, for you're sure. Yeah, uh, it's... I hope so. Yeoman it's sort of one like, uh, in... instead of playing against each other, you're all team up against the game. Love that. That's, that's what like, I'd be into yeah. for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's pretty fun. Uh, one of the most popular ones is called Pandemic. I love uh, that game. And... <laughs> Yeah, we've been playing it a lot during the pandemic, and uh, it's just a joke. It's just like, oh, don't worry, guys, the pandemic's over. We, we beat it. It's oh, fine. That's <laughs> a hard game. I wish. That's a hard game. Yeah. I, we, we played that game at work several times, and if you follow the real rules have for that game, it's the, pretty uh, tough. Have you tried the Cthulhu version? No. Uh, Cthulhu that sounds amazing. Is... Whoa. Oh, it okay. is so now hard, though. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, we... we played it for like six hours wow. one day uh, before we finally beat it. Wow. <laughs> it was wow. rough. <laughs> so when you say we, do you have friends that you're close with? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, um, I have two partners that I live with, and then um, my best friend and his boyfriend live with us, and one of my other best friends we all went to high school together and we're still living together. That's wonderful. Uh, That's kind of sweet. Yeah. <laughs> my best friend's cousin. So um, we uh, have seven of us in the house. Wow. Um, it's a five-bedroom house, though. So okay. Not too not bad. bad. 
So it's like you just yes. you just rap on a table and people come running to play games, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Ring yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Our uh, our whole downstairs like is um, just one big kind of open space and like half of it's the board game slash library area. Cool. And the other half is the like video oh my game gosh. area. It's pretty great. I bet a good percentage <laughs> of our listeners are just drooling right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm one of them about that life. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm one of them. So speaking yeah. of which. <laughs> If I were, I don't know, a 40-year-old or so person that's been out of gaming for a bit, which I am. Or so. <laughs> but but suddenly had a little bit of spare time, like I do. What what video game would you recommend? And remember, if I'm old, so like, yeah. I need like reasonably low cost of entry. Not like money sure. cost, but like investment cost. Gotcha. Um, well... Are you thinking of playing solo or with somebody else? Uh, ooh. Scat like to play solo. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. Uh, probably <laughs> solo just because we're mountain time zone and finding... I can't believe I'm going to say this sentence. Finding partners is difficult. Jesus. <laughs> and I would want to do it uh, late at night. Good lord. Yeah. Are you more of a, a story <laughs> person or a mechanic person? Story person. person. Definitely. Okay, Definitely. cool. So I would recommend trying adventure games. Adventure games. Um, yeah, because they are mostly just people talking and you picking a response. Okay. Maybe a little walking around, maybe a little puzzle. Yeah. Um, if you are... Uh, have you ever read Fables? Like the I remember Fable, comics? the game. Mm. Yeah, uh... Oh, not Fable like an oh. RPG, but Fable's like, um, it's like this comic series that's based on, like, well, all of the different Fables, like Snow White. I have, no, Snow I've never read that, but it sounds interesting. It's it's really interesting. The comics are pretty good. It's quite dark, even though uh, it's about Fables. Love dark. Um, but uh, they came out with a uh, game... Uh, which I think is called The Wolf Among Us um, by Telltale Games. They went out of business. They did the ago. Game of Thrones game, uh, I think, didn't they? Right. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, which is... I have mixed feelings on okay. that game. Parts of it were wonderful and parts of Not it were great. just awful. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, uh the Wolf Among Us is really good, and it works as a standalone, so you don't have to read the okay, comics cool. to play it. But it's got a great story, um, and I think it's it's pretty uh, low barrier to entry. Cool. Um, another one that I'm playing that might might be good is Hades. Mm. Um, it's a little harder, but the game is meant to be played multiple times, so like. Oh, like uh, basically, different you're adventures. trying to escape the underworld. Okay. And you, uh, you kind of go until you die, and then you just start again. And that's how the game works. That's cool. So, if you die a lot, that's okay. That that's supposed to happen. So, <laughs> you actually get more of the story through yeah. dying. So, um, it's you it's come pretty back fun. stronger, rise again. <laughs> Harder and stronger. I haven't it's finished it yet, but I've heard it's the great joy thing. Heard it's really good. So. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, away from the light, 
actually that sounded pretty heavy dying a lot but uh we're get, about to get into some pretty heavy stuff in this chapter to the point where where we kind of thought maybe we should we should issue some some trigger warnings uh for for things about domestic abuse and violence um you have some experience in that arena um did you want to tell us a little about your social work that you alluded to earlier yeah sure um so i've done quite a few different things as a social worker but one of the things that i did was i worked at uh, a domestic violence shelter um and uh, advocacy agency Mm. um and uh, i actually ran support groups uh twice a week for them for about a year and a half uh where we went over we had like a set it was a support group, but it was also sort of like a class. So each each group would be one section, and uh, we basically started, you know, at the beginning, uh, talked about the cycle of violence, um, and then how to recognize red flags, how to uh, fix your boundaries, because of course, mm-hmm. folks coming out of that situation, boundaries are are a challenge. I mean, they're a challenge for everybody, but especially if, if you uh, are coming out of a DV relationship. Um, and moved into, like, how to how to have a healthy relationship moving forward, trying to break that cycle of violence. So um, have a pretty extensive knowledge of that cycle of violence. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure folks have probably, at some point in school or at work, maybe seen the little power wheel and, and all of that um, but yeah so uh, I've also worked for um, Upward Bound uh, for well I was actually an Upward Bound kid um, and then I worked for them for four years and Upward Bound is a uh, program that helps first generation um, and low income students mm-hmm. go to college mm-hmm. uh, so that was that was fun. That was a cool job. <laughs> I bet that is pretty rewarding. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I've been working, uh, doing case management, and now I'm a, I'm actually a supervisor, um, uh, but working primarily with people living with HIV and other chronic health issues. Right. So, yeah. so this this question is not on our outline, and so. You're, you're, sure. We're coming into it blind here, but I grew up, my dad was a, a police officer and he, he's always been able to maintain uh, a level of, of positivity and optimism despite some of the awful things that he experienced as a police officer. And, and I'd, I'd love if maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you're a, a very happy person. And I see that in your tweets. I see that in just talking to you. Um, how, how have you found ways to, to cope with some of the terrible things that you've heard and experienced maybe yourself too, and still been able to maintain a sense of optimism and positivity? Oh, sure. Um, I think uh, it sounds kind of cliche, but self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, they really hammer that into your head a lot when you're in, in school for social work. Um, but it's it's not so much the, you know, go pay for a $200 massage or whatever. Sure. It's, it's more like, you know, making sure that you have time for yourself making sure that you have things in your day that do make you happy, mm-hmm. um, uh, make, 
making sure you take your breaks, making sure you exercise, eat your veggies. <laughs> I know, I hate it, but it really works. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I think just having you know strong strong support. Mm. Um, I have a lot of. I have a lot of good friends that are also social workers and I have a lot of friends that are not social workers. So if I need, you know, people who have seen it and have been through it, I have those folks. If I just need people who don't know anything right. about it, I've got those yeah. folks. Just escape just all of it. So. Yeah. How wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for That's sharing right. that. Yeah. Thank you for all of that. Well, I, I feel like um, we, I feel like we kind of got maybe the answer already or three or four, seven of those answers, but what is something in your life that you're, you're very proud of if you didn't already give it? Sure. Uh, well, I can think of two things. One is I'm the first person in my family to go to college, mm. no uh, way. graduate, wow. and I actually went to grad school too. So I broke a lot of barriers. Dang <laughs> overachiever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I'm a chronic overachiever. Uh, <laughs> But the other thing is, um, I actually run a um, queer nerd meetup in my area okay. um, where I live. Um, I started it, I think, almost four years ago now. Mm. Um, didn't know if if I was gonna get anything, but I just uh, it was, I think, in the middle of of. Uh, Trump's presidency and I was just feeling pretty isolated mm -hmm. and uh, I was just like man I just need more friends yeah. um, and I don't know there's a lot of uh, weirdness in, in the queer community sometimes around folks who are uh, pansexual or bisexual or asexual mm -hmm. uh, or poly um, so sometimes it doesn't always feel like you're welcome in the big group. Oh, wow, I <laughs> so see. I really wanted to create a space for anyone who was queer and that wasn't focused on dating because that's the other, the other thing that a lot of groups end up being about. Is like Relationship dating, focused. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. That's what a lot so, of groups, period, uh, I, become about, right? Is meeting people. And, yeah. 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 And so uh, I really wanted to make a group that was really accessible to because that was another thing too is just like you know folks who are living with disabilities often uh, don't get included or aren't thought about or like you know they're like oh you're welcome but also there's no ramp at this building yeah. that, that we're having our meeting at uh, so I just wanted to try and make a group that was really open to, to folks who had you know different disabilities and needs and and uh, just wanted to be friends and nerd out about stuff, and uh, it was really successful. Really, that's <laughs> like, great. Really, really. Was successful. it like a slow burn to yeah. success, or was it just like fifty people showed up at the first meeting? The first meeting we had, I think, um, twelve of wow. us. Uh -huh. Now, two of them were people I already knew, and then one person brought like three people they already knew <laughs> so like it was sort of like a coming together of, of different tiny yeah friend groups and we became a big and from that first meeting all but one person is still involved. wow um 
and we, um, before the pandemic, we were up to around 45 regular folks. Yay. We've lost a few people just because it's been a rough year. Sure. And some people just didn't have <laughs> capacity to interact or engage, and, and that's fine. But uh, we've still been doing meetups through the pandemic digitally. Um, we have like a, a chat forum. We use Line. I don't know if you guys are familiar with no. Line. It's I'm sort old. of like a different messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically like our little communication forum. avenue. Yeah. 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 So, um, and we still, most of us are still talking every day. And it's really cool. How wonderful. Um, the coolest thing I think we ever did was before the pandemic, we um, rented a pool together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we had a pool party uh, that had 40 people there. And I was like, all of you can say that you have at least 40 friends. Yeah. You have enough friends to fill a That's pool. Cool. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was really cool. So that is probably one of the things that I am most proud of. Uh, because it's... I mean, we've had folks that are married now. We have folks that have found roommates and housing yeah. and just all kinds of cool stuff. And everyone's really supportive. Sounds like you've created like a community. I mean, it sounds amazing. Yeah. You, know, you talk yeah, about making a difference in the world and you're, it's huge. you're doing that. You're doing <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. That made me so happy. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, also made me feel worthless. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I haven't done motivated anything that cool. Scab. I mean, that's amazing. Motivated, motivated scab. Uh, I hear you, buddy. Um, well, you not not to not to change subjects too quickly, but um, you've you've recommended some games for us. What else would you recommend for us? A show, a book, a band, a movie? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go with Farscape. Wow! It is a TV show. A sci-fi show. Do you know what Farscape is? Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, no yeah, Farscape. I remember seeing like oh my previews for that and being like, "That's right up my alley." But I think it was it came out maybe right when I had canceled cable or something. I didn't have access it to it. Came out. I want to say in two thousand one. No, I would have been in college it's then, been a while. so I don't have a good excuse. Nineteen ninety nine. It says. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's this Australian sci-fi show. Um, that has Muppets in it, which sounds ridiculous, but it's amazing. <laughs> like because Bring they have such cool over here. aliens. Um, because they have you know puppetry and stuff, and like one of the main uh cast members is like a giant like squid guy who pilots the ship, and he has like eight arms. It's great, but it's just I love that show so much. <laughs> like, uh. And it, it holds up. Like, I've rewatched it several times. And there are a few moments where you're like, mm. sure, sure. But, like, mostly it, it really holds up. It's really good. Um, where where can you find it now? It, it, I was just looking it up. Uh, yeah, it kind of bounces around. The last time I watched it, it was on Amazon Prime. I it looks that. like it is. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it is on it, Amazon Prime. It was Prime. on Netflix. Yep, too, it's available to but... Prime viewers. I'm looking at it now. It's yeah, got the little banner on the side saying Prime. So you can stream it. It's a it. great show. That's great. Yeah. Ugh. It's really funny and just really weird. There are a couple episodes that are just bizarre. Like it takes you on a trip, but 
it's okay. It's pretty cool. I'm gonna have to check it out. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm interested. Sure. It might Our jump in front state. of sex ad. Sorry, sorry, B word. <laughs> sorry, Marcus. Yeah, well, let me know if you watch it if you like it. Uh, I will say, like the first, like five or six episodes mm. are like a little rough, but then uh, once you hit like mm-hmm. seven or eight, it just it gets good yep. and it. it Some just Parks and Rec better. syndrome. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, let's talk a little okay, Song of Ice and Fire. Why did you choose this chapter? I feel like we got some hints uh, from some of the earlier responses, but what, what is it that you love about this one specifically? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I had so many chapters when I started that I was thinking about doing, but in the end, this one kind of was the one I had the most to talk about. Mm. Um, and I just... This chapter and then Sansa 2 also, like... Oh, they just hit me really hard. Like I just really feel for songs in these chapters, and yeah. um, just I also think that George just does such a good job of writing like this horrific thing that's happening, but it's still compelling. And and I don't know. I just I feel like I have a lot to to say about this chapter, and I also felt like it's a chapter that not a lot of people talk about. I agree. Probably it's true. because of the content. It is uncomfortable. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult mm-hmm. to talk about. Yeah. I mean, Matt, Matt and I are um, fighting. I don't feel like we fought like this in like, I don't know, several years. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, and at the end of the day, when I looked at my top five and I was like, you know, if I don't do this chapter, I'm not sure anyone ever will. That's so true. Possibly. <laughs> I decided to, to go for it. I love that you did. I love that you did. And Scat, I love that we're disagreeing. It's fun. Me too. I love it too. We can do it. We can do it politely. Can you can you take Sansa next time and I'll take Tyrion for, for the next section? <laughs> you got it, pal. This is all scripted, right? <laughs> uh, we're going to go to some uh, some patron thank yous. Uh, let's jump into that real quick before we get to the second half summary. And starting at our current dirty cab driver level, we got Lindsay F., yeah, little wor- little wolf bird. We got T- KW Dent, Batman of the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, the heir of House Tyrell. We have Katrina L. This one. We have Mr. J, the red shirt and black. And the bod of legends, Aaron M. Gib. Ghost Chase Killer. Bobby S. Jeff H. And of course, Lady Fatass Red, the Maleficent's like the beginning. And at the reach around level, we have B Word, the Queen Beyond the Wall. And the mixed mage of the Wolf's Wood. And at our Teen John level, Misa, our Queen of Gifts and Beauty. Thank you guys all for your support. All yes, other thanks, patrons everybody. as well at lower levels. Thank you very much. We appreciate all of you and everyone listening, really. Uh, let's dive into summary part two. Let us dive in. So we end off with uh, where were we? Well, they got married. Yeah. Sansa bit her lip to keep from sobbing. So after the wedding comes, of course, the reception. This should be fun. Uh, The Tyrells absent during the wedding are here now in all their flowery glory. But these roses have a frosty chill about them, most refusing to even acknowledge Sansa. For her part, Sansa was caught in an awful place in this reception both dying for it to end as quickly as possible while also dreading 
that which she knew was immediate to follow, the bedding. Sansa ate nothing and did her best to maintain her courtesies, while her new husband got shaken. <laughs> yeah, Tyrion's gargoyle impression is getting better because he was stone-faced for most of the, the festivities, even refusing to dance with Sansa when she tries to do her duty. I think we have already given them sufficient amusement for one day, don't you? <sighs> yeah, and Sansa watches helplessly as this day she's dreamed of so fondly and so endlessly is butchered in front of her. No feasting, a dreaded bedding, a drunken, unhappy, and scowling new husband, and not even any dancing? That is, until a hero emerges in the form of the hero of A Song of Ice and Fire, Garland Tyrell. He courteously asks her to dance and breaks the mood with a joke about his nickname. He also shows concern for her well-being, indicating that she looks close to tears. He offers her some advice as well regarding her new husband. He's a bigger man than he seems. Same. All in all, the dance is going well enough until it brought her face to face with one of her abusers again, Joffrey. He promises, threatens, really, that he will still have her after they're both married. That a king can have whomever he wants, married or no. His father did. And one of the Aegons. Effing Joffrey. <laughs> yeah, the music soon comes to an end, and it's again effing Joffrey. It's time to bed them! And the crowd agrees, but Tyrion intercedes. I'll have no bedding. And when Joffrey insists, Tyrion takes it one step further, maybe one step too far. Then you'll service your own bride with a wooden prick. I will geld you, I swear it. Whoa. And for once, Tywin does the decent thing. After forcing this whole thing on a 13-year-old, he relents to no bedding and calls off the dogs while demanding mercy for his drunken son. Tyrion grabs Sansa roughly and jokes of smashing her porticus as they make their own way to the bedroom. And once inside, Tyrion has her pour the arbor gold. He is not truly drunk yet, he insists, but he means to be. Sansa agrees it might be a good idea for her as well. Should I take off my gown, or do you want to undress me? Instead of answering, we get part of the story of Tyrion's first marriage and wedding. A drunken septon, pigs for witnesses, laughter and fun. Lady Taisha of House Silverfist. He asks how old Sansa is. Thirteen, when the moon turns. Tyrion says that talking about it won't make her any older, that they might as well get to it. My lord father has commanded me to consummate this marriage. Sansa is, as one might expect, reluctant, but it has been ingrained in her to do her duty for her lord husband. So she's trying really hard. She undresses in front of him. You are a child. I flowered. A child. But I want you nonetheless. Does that frighten you, Sansa? He tries to be courteous to tell him he is not ugly, but that angers him. Don't lie, Sansa. He knows he is ugly, but insists that when the lights are off, he's built like other men. That he's loyal, generous, clever, not a craven, and even kind. I could be good to you, he says. He had hoped for a response, maybe for a softening of her heart. But all she had for him was pity, and she could find no words for a fitting response to his plea. 
Hearing no response, Tyrion bitterly tells her to get in the bed. She does. And starts to pull up the covers. No, he commands. She lay there terrified as Tyrion climbed upon the bed and placed his hand on her breast. She had no idea what to do next, what was expected of her. So she just lay there, with her eyes closed. Sansa, open your eyes. He was sitting at the foot of the bed, not touching her. He tells her that he can't do it, that they'll wait, however long it takes, until they know each other better, until she trusts him. Sansa examines her grotesque and sinister-looking husband, truly looking for the beauty in him. All men had beauty in her, Persephone had told her, but all she can see is all of his ugliness wrapped in a tiny package. All she can think of is how unfair all this is, how the gods could do this to her. On my honest honor as a Lannister, the imp said, I will not touch you until you want me to. It took all the courage that was in her to look into those tiny mismatched eyes and say, And if I never want you to, my lord, his mouth jerked as if she had slapped him. Never! Her neck was so tight she could scarcely nod. Why, he said, that is why the gods made whores for imps like me. He closed his short blunt fingers into a fist and climbed down off the bed. End of the chapter. Hmm. And here we see it again, her fighting to take a little bit of autonomy back, right? Because he's not giving her a choice again, really. We'll wait until you're ready, meaning that one day you are going to have sex with me. One day we will consummate this marriage. It's not tonight. Maybe it won't even be this year, but one day we will. So again, Sansa's not really being given autonomy here, so she takes it. And uh, yeah, and I Bravely. don't blame him for feeling bad. I would I would feel offended too if someone said that to me. But uh it's a it's a very intimate rejection. <laughs> it is. But um I but I, I do feel this I'm for sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. And I'm but uh I'm glad that she did it. Me too. <laughs> as weird as that is to say. Yeah. I feel for Tyrion here too. I think he's <clears throat> it's one of those things where it's like, ah man. You were so close, you know, like you were so close to having it right. If if mm-hmm. it had just been without the dangling win that you're talking about now, the mm-hmm. assumed it will happen someday. If it had just been like, you know what? This has been a shitty day for all of us. Let's just pack it away. Let's you, relax. You sleep here. I'll sleep on the floor. Like, we'll talk about this later. Like, give her just like some damn space. Just to like mm-hmm. process for a few hours. She's had zero time to herself to think about any of this. And again, I don't want to make it like he's a villain here, because I think he is kind of trying, you know? I think he I think he is. I think he's trying. Sure. But he's still making it more about himself than about her. As much as he's trying not to, he thinks he's making it about her. But he's still got that in the back of his mind, that that never a component that upsets him when like if it were if you were really making it about her maybe he would say yeah you know what like let's just let's just pack this away you know you, this has been awful for you let's yeah. just not not do this right now think about her timeline a little bit yeah right exactly that's a way better way to put it than i did yeah right now yeah. you did fine buddy 
what strikes me in this chapter is that Tyrion keeps saying, you're a child, uh, you know, I shouldn't want you, all that kind of thing, and, you know, but he's still treating her like she's an adult with agency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and and it's like, buddy, yeah. <laughs> you just said she's a yeah. child. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, she she's like, do I take my clothes off? Am I supposed to open my leg? She doesn't There's even no know, you know, yeah. what's going to happen. Like, she has like a vague idea. Uh, the giggling yeah. things <laughs> she's talked about with her friends, right? Right. She should be dressed Which in a damn another... question mark right now. Like her whole being is like a question mark. Yeah. She has no clue. And it's and terrible. That's just another knock on Cersei that I'm like, you yeah. couldn't have at least like told Sansa what this would be yeah. like. Like That's true. At all. God. Uh yeah. Cersei just really throws her right in there. Um It's but Oh, go ahead. It's just yeah, it's just Tyrion thinks that he is helping her and doing the right thing, but he's not treating her like a child yeah. at all. He's he's treating her like a grown lady who, you know, has a choice. Just married him. She's, yeah. Yeah. She's a child who has no choice and no clue what is even really supposed to happen. Yeah. Here. And not not to yeah, give him a pass, true. but to, to say what Matt, you know, said in the last part. It's like He's getting a lot of mixed signals and a lot of really, really forceful direction as well. Like, you need to do this, yeah. you know? And in their society, as terrible as it is for us to talk about, a woman flower can be 13 or 14 or 15 or whatever it is, and they're expected right. to do the things they're expected to do. That's very hard for us to talk about. And I, you know, I get that. And I'm not trying to give yeah. Tyrion a pass for it. But he, I think he very much does have some mixed feelings about this. You don't know anything versus well, this is kind of how it works, you know? And so yeah. I don't mean to give him a pass. I agree there's some false equivalency going on for sure with him acknowledging at least two or three times in this chapter that she's a child and yet also yeah. trying to move forward. Yeah. I just think it's hard for him that, that he's getting a lot of mixed yeah. direction and it's, you know, Certainly. I don't mean to excuse it. You talk about it being hard for him and... um but he's still prepared to do it. Like you get these glimpses, like it takes him a minute to finally get off the bed and take his clothes off. Right. Like, okay, I got to do this. Um, but he still does it and he's ready to, he puts his hand on her breast. I never, I really thought about it this time. And I wonder if that was him. Like, I hate to be as carnal as this, but trying to like get himself going a little bit to attempt to arouse himself a little bit because right now he sees this scared shivering young girl in bed and he can't arouse himself even and maybe he's like well this works so he touches her and it doesn't (laughs) but well on the other hand it actually kind of does because it says he 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 had an erection when he was at the end of the bed Yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah, I so mean, there's, is, there's certainly a difference between physical arousal and, you know, actually being ready to... Emotionally. You know, emotionally yeah, invested. Sure. But, mm-hmm. and and maybe that was, you know, he's like, all right, yeah, let's, okay, let's try. This is step one. This is what I, this is my first move always. Sure, let's do that, maybe. For sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he comes to, to, I mean, God, you know, physical signs are not that hard to read. I, I mean, I don't want to 
negate the fact that the alcohol might have had on his judgment maybe in that moment but like it is not, not hard to yeah, tell he's inebriated yeah <laughs> but still it's not hard as somebody that's inebriated a reasonable amount it's not that hard to tell sure, that she is sure. not ready or into this no at excuse all. Mm-hmm. like it's yep. no excuse at all absolutely and you know i think he, you know he touches her probably and is like she's a board man she has no clue what's going on is terrified this is not right and i you know credit to him for realizing it just like you know he gets like a maybe like a c plus from me like for how he handled this you know it's definitely not an a it's not an f but it's like it's in the middle somewhere story of Tyrion's life (laughs) yeah One of the things that I keyed in on a lot was that Tyrion just keeps getting frustrated this often, mm. even even though like you know she is clueless and trying her, yes. really trying her best, mm-hmm. you know, like she didn't say no to him, she didn't, no. she offered to take her clothes off, <laughs> like yeah, that's true. you know she's really trying to do what she can to make it the best that it can be um, in this terrible situation, but Tyrion just keeps getting frustrated with her, and I think part of that is because he is thinking of her as an adult, Mm -hmm. Um, and when he's getting rejection from her, he's feeling, you know, no one likes to be rejected, especially when you're in an intimate situation, but you know, it, it's not really an intimate situation to her. She's never done this before. She has no idea what she's supposed to do or what the consequences are if she doesn't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, again, the Lannisters have complete control over her. Um, they could hold her down and force right. it. Uh, you know, she's got to be thinking that on, on some level. But I think also Tyrion is just getting frustrated because he can't play the victim in this moment and he's really used to playing the victim um you know and i i really think that's why he has this frustration with sansa um he's really frustrated at the situation but um he's used to being able to see himself as the victim um as somebody who is has a disability um somebody who is not conventionally beautiful um he has often been a victim and i mean we'll see that later in the story right uh well even at this point all the stuff that he did at the battle of blackwater and nobody cares (laughs) like he basically saved the city and nobody cares because he's ugly and he has a disability and and you know so he's used to that he's used to being that victim but um he has a hard time when he's not the victim. And you see that in like all of his relationships with women. Um, and it's also tied into that like trauma of what happened with Aisha. Um, and, but I just think about how he acts with Shay, um, which I think is actually even worse than how he treats Sansa sometimes. Like he actually slaps Shay at one point. Um, and it's because Shay is lowborn. Um, you know, Sansa has nobility, and no one can really take that from her. Even though her brother's a traitor, and uh, 
most of her family is gone. Um, she's still treated with a certain amount of respect because she's her a last Stark. name. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when you look at how he interacts with Shay, you know, he doesn't stop himself from like hitting Shay when she pisses him off. Uh, it's a, it's a power dynamic. Later right? on, yeah, and then later on, when you get to Penny, mm, same thing. It's also lowborn yeah. and also a dwarf, so she has the same disability that he has, and the way that he treats Penny is just horrid, honestly. Awful. Like, yeah. <laughs> and if spoilers for Wind chapters, but if you've read that, like, some of his thoughts about her are pretty, pretty horrific. Ugly. But, yeah, it's just, it seems like um, it all for him goes back to what he thinks was a betrayal um, from Kaisha. Like, you know, he thought she loved him, and then he thought she's a whore. Later he finds out she wasn't, and that kind of even... New victimhood! Up even more. Right? Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Also, also <laughs> new victimhood. I can spin that <laughs> story. It's yeah. still a story I can tell him be a victim in. Yeah, 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 and wow. he just, I think, even though Sansa has nothing to do with mm-hmm. that, I think when he interacts with any woman, um, he has this little, like, thing in the back of his head, like, how are they gonna try and pull one over on me? Oh. Like, how is this gonna, you know, how is this gonna impact me? And I think that that's really at play for him here, and he doesn't even it like it's under the surface you know oh, yeah i think he would never admit that about himself but you're yeah, right yeah but it, but it's but it, yeah when... it's one thing though to like have that victimhood and dwell in it and live in it and another thing to like project it onto everyone else or redirect your angst about it on everyone else in, into sure. abuse and he does sure. that here and elsewhere yeah which is what cersei and does, he does too now yep. i think about it yeah yeah, yeah you're right and he doesn't. He doesn't uh, think about the ways that he has power and privilege. Yeah. You know, like he is high. Mm-hmm. He's very rich. Like he even thinks at some points. Uh, I don't remember which book it was in, but he he's like, you know, if I wasn't a Lannister, I probably would have died as a child. Yeah. Like, you know, that sort of. If he thing. was like Penny. And, which right, is which is right. him acknowledging and, some privilege. Yeah, yeah, but even still, he just sort of looks down on all of the small folks because they don't like him because he's you know, the monkey, the, gar- gar- the gargoyle, whatever they're calling him these days. And, and he doesn't have, you know, he's not Jamie, he's not beautiful. Um, and I think that's why he gets so hung up on Cersei too. Like He resents that she's got that traditional beauty and he sees that as a, as a version of power, which it is in this Absolutely. society. Like that's yeah. You know, and even people say that to Sansa, like, you're so lucky that you're so pretty, because that does give her some amount of power, more so than, you know, someone like Brienne. Good point. Who constantly <laughs> gets knocked on for not being that conventional Good point. beauty. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it's oh. just when Tyrion just has a hard time not being the victim. He does. And even, <laughs> even when he's on the same playing field with someone. Uh, yeah, you, you keep using the phrase, the victim, uh, 
as if there's one and and i think he is a victim in this chapter but like when it goes to the bedroom the power dynamic shifts right he is the one now in control Mm -hmm. and you know it's almost like his brain doesn't catch up like look man you're not the victim in this scene maybe you were a victim in the last one but you've got the control here and his brain just doesn't flip again i'm not really excusing it's just like his he's so used to being a victim maybe he doesn't he can't see the situation for really what it is maybe he does a little too though i want to give him some credit he does some it's just it's just not quite enough it's and that's totally a human response i think that everybody who has uh, an identity where they don't have privilege that feels like it's more important than the ones where you do hold privilege. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so hard sometimes uh, for white people to admit, you know, white privilege. Sure, males too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I want to be clear. Like uh, Tyrion doesn't have all the same privileges as you know, like even his brother sure. Jamie. Like he, he does have a disability. He does have. Uh, a lack of beauty which is so important in this society and that does ultimately kind of turn him uh when he's at the in the court you know at the end of the book uh they've already judged him considered him yeah. guilty just because yeah. of who he is so he definitely does you know have identities that are marginalized for sure mm-hmm. uh but he has a really hard time comparing himself uh as someone privileged like as far as like being a lannister yeah. having money, you know <laughs> having male privilege uh, yeah. like that kind of thing and uh yeah it just it comes out so much uh in his interactions with it's him. it's funny because i would have thought of Tyrion before this conversation i would have thought of him as one of the more self-aware characters in this series but i'm now less sure there's some blind spots for yeah. sure yeah. yeah. Right. I, I'm thinking of we t- we're talking about his relationships with women. Completely agree. And I'm also even thinking about his relationships with, with men too. The one that's coming to mind is one of my favorites, Braun, and yeah. how Tyrion kind of wants his. I'm realizing because of your insight. Thank you so much for sharing it, Megan. That he's, he does it with. He wants his cake and he wants to eat it too with someone like Braun, where he's like, oh, we have this great friendship now, and we're buddy buddies but you're still doing what I say because I pay you, you know, (laughs) I'm giving you money. So you have to kill Simon Silvertongue when I say you do. And Braun doesn't seem to have a problem with that, but regardless, the power dynamic is still there, but at the same time, but you're my friend and won't you stand up for me and fight for me because you're my friend? No. Oh, I'm the victim again. You know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Or, you know, like, uh, when he compares himself to Bronn as like, you know, Bronn is a warrior and he can go out and, you know, make a living with his sword and Tyrion's like, I could never do that. Because mm-hmm. I'm a dwarf. And it's like, well, yeah, that's true. But also, you don't have any yeah, need to yeah. do that. No, because your family's loaded. Like, at the beginning of the, of the series, you were just like on an extended, like, trip across europe man like you just like went to the, but it was the coldest the part of europe it was very cold he was a victim on that trip yeah <laughs> yeah 
You only got to eat crabs yeah. once. <laughs> uh, yeah. This has been interesting. Oh, this has been a great conversation. So insightful. Yeah. Can we and I oh, think... go ahead? Oh, okay. Well, I was going to shift I was going to uh, shift the topic I... a little bit. So if you got more on this part, let's let's stick to it. Yeah, let's but Oh yeah, up. I was just going to say it. I think the thing that's truly sad about this chapter is that I think in some version of this situation, Tyrion and Sansa probably could have made some sort of relationship. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go as far as to say like romantic, romantic or that mm -hmm. they would fall in love with each other or something. But I think that they could have come to an understanding and, you know, confided in each other and been, you know, at least friendly with each sure. other. But they both just have so much trauma at this point mm -hmm. that, like, they just can't even see each other as who they are. Like, you know, Tyrion is seeing Sansa as uh, another iteration of Tysha. Um, and Sansa is seeing Tyrion just as the Lannister. A Lannister. Mm -hmm. yeah. And she can't get past that, which I don't blame her. I mean, the Lannisters have destroyed her family and her, her life. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it is really sad because... You know, on some level, you you're like they could just get past their trauma. Maybe they could have made something out of mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Uh, at least, you know, had a friend in each other, and yeah. That's a yeah, good I, I, yeah, I. So there's a lot unpacked there. I feel like, I, I, first of all, I think Matt and I kind of said something similar the first time we talked about it. That like, man, it's really too bad because I feel like they could have made this work. Not that I was really rooting for it to make it work. It's not the life I want for Sansa. Or for Tyrion, really, yeah. but like probably they could have like really come to understand each other, but that's not what happened. There are a lot of reasons, justified reasons for that not happening. Sure. Um, you know, particularly on Sansa's side, like there's no reason to expect her to like make this work. She is a victim, and there's yeah. no there should be no expectation for her to do that. No expectation, but no. something but, she was forced into, I guess. But but yes, with time, like they could have grown to really respect each other. And you get this moment where she's trying to look for beauty. There's beauty in every man, and she looks for it, and we get this cavalcade of, of physical descriptions. And it's like, no, no, girl, you're you're missing the point. That's For whatever beauty Tyrion has, that's not where it is. It's inside, right? And again, he's a mess. He's by far not perfect, and he's got lots of flaws, including, including abuse and lots of other baggage and lots of things. But, like, there is some good in him. But, like, expecting her to see it in that moment, for her to expect herself to see it in that moment is, right. it's a bridge too far. You can't, it Way wasn't going to happen. Far. It's about it was three not bridges gonna happen too far. in this night. Like, setting an expectation right. for success in this night is, it's way too high of a bar. It was not going to happen. Sure. Like, four hours ago, she was like, I'm going to go live with yeah. Willis. In <laughs> my We're going to name our dress. kids Bran and Rickon. Yeah. Like, Pleasure barge. Um, yeah. Music playing. Right. The movie Click, right? With the remote control. Like, if they could have just, like, fast-forwarded and skipped it all for, like, I don't yeah. know, a few months, like, maybe they'd have been, like, in a reasonable place. But, like, yeah. this night was not going to go well. And yeah, and as right. poorly as it went, it set further events, you know, to be bad between them, I think. Because it didn't go well. Just like we expect. Well, when you think about it, like, 
you know, we've been harping on Tyrion pretty hard, but I'd rather Sansa stay with Tyrion than go be with Littlefinger. <laughs> like, totally. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Littlefinger definitely is, uh, oh, he's just gross. And For sure. He definitely has ulterior. That's motives. a good point. And and she does she does experience some sort of um, self discovery and finding some autonomy, but it's within the bounds that Littlefinger sets for her that she's allowed. So she still is being hemmed in. We talk about how you know she becomes Elaine, this stronger, more self possessed woman, but it's all within the bounds that Littlefinger is allowing her to become that. Right now, he's, he's, and he's and giving I know her we, alley lots, to walk down. Right? right, we've got lots of theories about how he's, you know, that's going to bite him in the in the butt eventually, and she's going to, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be this great moment where she bursts out and and overtakes him, hopefully. Yeah. But um, as of right now, she finds herself in a pretty similar situation. Yeah. Yeah. With a real creeper, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get well, a job. And, and being. <laughs> With Littlefinger, she has to give up her highborn. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Right? She has to pretend to be Good his point. bastard. Good point. Um, which definitely takes like a giant chunk out of what little <laughs> power she did have. Yeah. Good point. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good point. All right. Interesting. Can I ask? Well, can there, I ask a there. To- Go ahead. I was going to say there's other stuff that happened in this chapter. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask what Garland's <laughs> yeah. doing. What is he doing? Uh oh, you guys know, both man. did the same motion, like the same. Time. We did. As if you expected me to like each other has to say. You, as if you expected me to be going. I thought a lot about it, and part of me just feels like maybe he's just being nice. <laughs> it's so hard like, to trust, right? We're like, no, no way. I know. You can actually I'm just like, be are you like the one guy in the whole book that that's just nice? Like, I don't know. I I think on some level that the Tyrells probably haven't totally given up on trying to get Sansa somehow, mm-hmm. uh, and so right. just kind of keeping tabs, keeping keeping some kind of connection there, um, maybe. But I don't know. Part of me just wants wants it that Garland just wants a nice guy. <laughs> She's having a really book. crappy day. Have you been day. reading these books? Yeah, <laughs> it's um. I, I had a similar thought to you that maybe the Tyrells are still trying to keep tabs on on Sansa, knowing that the Purple Wedding is coming, and knowing probably already they have the hairnet ploy planned. Um, I imagine they've talked about this already. Uh, and so just trying to fill her out. How's this going to work? Is this going to be okay? Can we do this? Um, but but I, I think there might be a little bit of double motive here to Garland's credit is where he is saying stuff like oh we read it that i think your husband's a better man than you think type stuff that seems if he's just trying to feel her out to see if she can be an ally whether she knows she's being an ally or not why say something like that that just seems extra and so i wonder if there is some grace graciousness there like um steve atwell said in garland um bringing stuff like that up you know my wife's worried about you are you okay i want to believe that i think but and i don't i don't have anything else i i'd I'd like to believe that it feels i I, you're right i can't think of any 
good that saying that sentence specifically does other than just kind of try to be nice and set her at ease a little bit mm-hmm. and and we do by the way know yeah. that they've already put this plan into place Dantos has given her the hairnet already uh, that's right that's she has happened. the hairnet yeah. she yeah. got that in the last chapter right yeah i was never a hundred percent sure if the goal was to frame Tyrion, or if that just happened. like happened by happy <laughs> circumstance of him you know being they're picking up the cup and Cersei being like, it was you! Hmm. Uh, but if they were trying to set Tyrion up, then perhaps they were thinking, you know, well, Sansa won't be married for too long. Yeah. Tyrion's right. gone. And if this wasn't consummated, then you know, maybe we can still do something with her. Maybe no longer Willis, but maybe a cousin or something. Mm-hmm. Good point. And also maybe that line, even... If, if we're painting it that way, he's a bigger man than he seems. He's capable of more than he seems. He's capable of murder. Eh? Putting but, uh, it in his head. There put, you go. I don't know. It's go. a it's a stretch. It's in a her head. No, everything's on the well, table right Cersei, now. <laughs> Cersei goes like off the rails, and she's like, "Sansa did it too." Yeah. And she's a she wolf, and all this, yeah, craziness. Uh, that, yeah. <laughs> What else do you guys have for this section? Uh, the reception's a lot of dancing. I... Anything about the dancing? Yeah. I don't have much. I mean, just the Joffrey. Yeah. Like... God, he sucks so hard. <laughs> God. Just, I wrote that like three times in my notes. It's just perpetually throughout the whole chapter. He's yeah. just making it as bad as he possibly can. Yeah, when they come together to dance. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, what's funny about this, though, is is Joffrey's like, I can have you anytime I want because I'm the king and Tyrion can't say crap if I want you or whatever. But yet Tyrion always is able to shut Joffrey down and he does it constantly. And it kind of negates what Joffrey is saying about, I can do whatever I want with you. Tyrion show he's done it throughout these books where he's just put Joffrey in his place. And even Tywin's like, yeah, let him do it. It's okay. Yeah, <clears throat> it feeds a little bit into what I was going to say, which is just that, you know, Joffrey as an abuser, just like, he's got to get his shot in, right? Got to mm-hmm. keep that mental hook, yeah. got to keep that mm-hmm. control, got to got to maintain that link, because I don't, even though I'm sure. giving her future up with me, I got to keep yeah. that little control link in place. And if I stick mm-hmm. it now and tell her that it's always a possibility... I don't have to think about it again forever, ever at all, if I don't want to. But I still got that little hook in her brain, eating away, control, manipulation, fear. Yeah. Poor Joffrey, like, never had a chance, like, with his parents. That's true. Who he thinks is parents. Yeah. Like, arguably, Jamie is probably the best parent. <laughs> he doesn't even the know who Jamie is. And doesn't really care about yeah. them at all. <laughs> Yeah, there. He he did the best by not doing anything. <laughs> there there was a better than Cersei. And there was a moment that we didn't we kind of skipped over a little bit when when she shows up at the sect, um, that where he he basically in front of like several people, King's Guard and Cersei's there, and Tyrion shows up and like there, I I get the impression there are quite a few people there, and <clears throat> he basically just says I can do whatever you whatever I want with you like right in front of people I can marry you to whoever the pig boy whoever. And Cersei's standing right there. And, like, 
Matt knows. I mean, like, like there's so many just tiny moments in parenting where it's just like, nope, nope, no, hold on, nope. Like, you got that part wrong. Like, you got to fix the way you're thinking about that. Like, ooh, you're not going to tuck that way, young man. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, they're just tiny things. Like, we do it dozens of times in a day, and we don't really even think about it. They're just little course corrections. It's almost like Cersei just never does it, ever. And so whatever bad impulses he has, they're rewarded or at least never negated. And so that's, just like you said, he had no shot ever. He never got any negative feedback for anybody yeah. for doing anything wrong. That's uh, what I There's a lot feel. of sins upon the heads of the parents going right. on well, here. Well, yeah. he, he did from yeah, Robert, once. but like Robert went completely yeah. overboard. Yeah. And you're right. I shouldn't have said never. You know, and all that Joffrey learned from Robert was, if you're the king, you can do whatever the hell you want. Abuse. He learned abuse from Hitting him too. Kids. Smacking people yeah. around. He yeah. learned abuse from them both. Yeah. And 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 Cersei's Different tacit. Forms. That's very true. You know, yeah. a lack of disapproval gives tacit approval, and so when he doesn't get yep. corrected, he assumes it's fine. It's okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so weird how Cersei is like Joffrey can do no she's just so mean to Quill yeah. <laughs> like later on in the books why can't you be more like Joffrey yeah, <laughs> yeah what is it like, I would be happy if, if Tommen was less like Joffrey yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah it's the like, scene where he's she... crying about when, at uh, Tywin's funeral he's yeah, yeah. He's, t- he's crying about how the body stinks and mm. it's gross to be there and he's like nine years old and right. yeah it's pretty sad. <clears throat> Meanwhile, little Tommen at the reception says, I want to get married. I'm taller than my uncle. <laughs> like equating height with ability to marry is hilarious. And I can totally see my seven-year-old saying something like that. Yeah, that's there. That's there. Uh, speaking of kids, this chapter was really hard for me this time around because guess how old my daughter now is? She 13. is 12 years old. Well, so this was really, really hard for me to read. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. And obviously it feels like in these books you end up aging up the characters by at least a couple years. Um, you know, when they're adults at 16 and whatever, you kind of do a little mental age up. But still, it was it was difficult for me this time around. Yeah. <laughs> you should stop reading now. Because it's yeah. going to get worse. <laughs> it's only going to keep... Yeah. And then pick it up after she's, like, yeah. grown 20, up. And... Well, 50. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the um, Tyrells... Question. Were they boycotting the wedding, or did they not know about it? Well, they knew Their about absence it they were was at the felt. reception. Exactly. Yep, they were at the reception. So they boycotted the wedding? They're like, we're not going to this? I... I thought they didn't know until the reception. Mm, so they're like hastily getting ready and showing up at the reception. I, I figured yeah. they were invited. You know, they were those those fringe guests that were invited to the reception, but not the wedding. You ever got one of those where it's like you're not invited yeah, for sure. to the wedding? Yeah. You're just coming to the reception. One of those things. That's I figured they most were most of my invites. Yeah. <laughs> I had never thought of that. I just assumed that like they didn't tell them until it was done. Right. Not that I, I don't know that there really could have been anything that they could have done to stop it. Uh, it just it could have I don't know what they Seriously think Sansa might have her done. Games. Maybe uh, maybe like they thought Sansa would like see them and say something or like just cause any sort of disruption. I feel like they just wanted that to be like 
as quick as yeah. possible. No disruptions. We need witnesses. Yeah, but like, let's just get through this quickly. And right. having the Tyrells, like, what? Who benefits? Like, why? Just with like Marjorie being Joffrey's betrothed and the future yeah. queen of Westeros, that just feels very like a pretty glaring omission to leave off the invite list. Yeah. No, you're right. So it, it is. You're right. Hmm. So I guess we don't know. Yeah. A few theories. Okay. All right. We could see why they would boycott it. Be like, yeah. this is bull crap. I'm yeah. not going. <laughs> but also, like, same kind of same kind of slipper, different foot, maybe. Like, pretty big deal to boycott something like that. The royal wedding, like, sure. a, like a, a royal ish yeah. wedding. And you're like, meh. If... Well, maybe they just didn't, literally didn't have time to respond. <laughs> like, because Sansa didn't even know until, like, right before. So maybe. Maybe Cersei was like, "Oh, by the way, Tyrion and Sansa getting hitched. You guys want to come? It's happening in like yeah. an just hour." Heard like <laughs> yeah. from up, up above, and they're like, "Come I'm, on, I'm join on the my, fun! I'm on my way over to the Sept right now. Come to the barn. Right. We got a fiddler. Hey, do you guys want to come? Oh, you can't. Okay, I understand. We'll catch you next time. House party. Mm. Yeah, she's certainly want them there. They still didn't have to be such dicks to her, though, right? Like, just ignore her." Yeah, no, that's do you think a good there's point. something more to that? I wondered if really they were sad. pissed that she told somebody. Mm. They thought that she dug her own grave by saying something, and oh, that's true. Or maybe they just, maybe they just didn't have a time to have like a Tyrell house meeting where Probably. they're like, how are we going to react to yeah. this? So they're like, let's just not react at all. And then uh, Garland goes a little tell... rogue. I mean, yeah, tell everyone's on the same. Yeah, page. she specifically notes that the. The cousins and stuff like basically ignored her. Yeah, which, cold like, shoulders. That just, that just that struck hurt. me as, you know, young girl pettiness. Yeah. You know, Eowyn teaches good... junior high girls. They're just, <laughs> you know, they're pretty petty. I have a junior high girl. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not pretty, and it happens like overnight, Scad. Yeah, like, yeah. It just yeah. it just happens, for real. Like, just like a month ago, it just happened. It's crazy. I don't know, man. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Something about the Tyrells. But no, no, I like what Megan said about um, maybe they thought that she said something. Mm. And it's like, dang it, Sansa, you freaking ruined this again. And yeah. I would still fall back on maybe they shouldn't have said anything. But... <laughs> maybe they should have kept this quiet. Yeah, come on. I think that was a, a misstep yeah. on uh, Winifred's mm. part. Mm. Uh, anyth- um, anything, to th- anything to the he's bigger than he seems thing? We get a similar comment about Tyrion's shadow in Game of Thrones. We get calls Amon, back to that certainly. Amon saying he's a big, big, a bigger man than he seems, or some language similar. We have this. We have Makoro saying a similar thing. Small man with a big shadow. Feels like all disconnected characters. They're not related in any way. But and, and so that argument can both go both ways. Either it's George sowing many seeds to show us something, or it's totally disconnected and we should mean take it to mean nothing. Right. Yep. Yes. Yep. Scared. Yes. Yes. I agree with you. Thanks for pointing it out. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure. Like, I think it's pretty obvious Tyrion's going to be important to the end game. Of 
there's anything in particular that I can Okay. Yeah. You guys got anything else for this section? Completely unsatisfying. Uh, yeah, I noticed uh, Lady Tonda <laughs> got a shout out. For crying? And, and the dancing. Oh, dancing. And I was just like, man, does everyone just like objectify Mirish women or is Lady Tonda just like that hot? Like, because oh. <laughs> even Sansa was all like, everyone was staring at her. She was so provocative. <laughs> Which led to one of my favorite lines in the chapter. Uh, Lord and Lady Tyrell moved more sedately. <laughs> it's the yeah. very next line, and it's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> but yes, I feel like, yeah, I feel like they just... She's foreign, and we're going to objectify her. It seems just like a theme <laughs> in the book. They all do it. She's just a... Com- yep. She's a babe. It's <laughs> me objectifying her. Yeah. Good job, man. Yep. Way to hold that line. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're thinking. Oh. Um. I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, there's a part. It's when they're in the bedchamber, but uh, Sansa is talking about Tyrion's green eye and black eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I think uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the Tyrion Targaryen theory. Yeah. Thanks, um, Aziz. Which <laughs> I don't. I don't know how I feel about it. I can see. I'm on board with it. For or against, um, but I think either way, there's definitely like this through line through all of Tyrion's story of like feeling like half a Lannister. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not the other half is Targaryen, or if that's just how he's feeling, but the the green eye and the black eye to me felt like the green eye is hungry, the black eye is the fury, and you know Tyrion is always wanting love and acceptance, um, and really he wants to be good, like he wants to be Sansa's you know knight knight art white white sure. armor. He wants to be a hero. He really wanted to save the city from Stannis. Uh, but then on the other side, he's just constantly being denied all these things because of what he looks like. Uh, and, you know, by uh, by da- by the end of Dance, it really feels like he's just like, screw it, I don't want to be good anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to embrace this fury. Yeah. Um, Give me the black eyes. Just I, both eyes black. And green anymore. Yeah, and I just wonder if he'll come back from that at all by the end, uh, or if he's just gonna go all the way. Yeah. Down that that line. You want to go first, question. Matt, or you want me to go first on this one? That's a very fair question. Go ahead. Well, uh, first of all, in Tyrion Targaryen, I think it's fun. I think there are. I think there are fun thematic things to go, whether it's true or false. There, there's things that that make it thematically better if it's false. There are things that make it thematically more interesting to me if if they're true. Um, I I tend to think probably it isn't. I think he's interesting enough as it is, but little hints like this with the green and black eye make it seem maybe more possible. Um, yeah. Um, re- regarding his journey, um, we've talked about it a few times on this podcast. I feel like his his is 
more of a roller coaster, uh, up down roller coaster than just about any of them. He's not on a an uptrend. He's not on a downtrend. He's not even on a down then up or an up then downtrend. He's all over the map, you know, in in these books. And um, it'll be interesting. I I feel like there's some redemption coming uh, for him that he'll turn things around. And not that you can put to bed his bad stuff, um, but that you know, uh, again, there's no, to me, there's no like redeeming bad things you've done. You've done bad things. You've done good things. Where are you now? And what's your next thing going to be? Right. Is, is the more important thing. And my hope is that Tyrion kind of comes to that place where he's doing good things again. I don't know whether it will happen. Tyrion to me is a guy that is pretty great in the macro. He's really bad in the micro. He wants to do Big, good things. Protect the Blackwater from the army. Build the chain. Fix fix the sewer system. You know, collect the taxes. Do things that help society. He wants to do good things on a macro level. He's awful to people on the micro level. He's just bad to people. He mistreats basically everyone he knows. And so that's, that's the story with Tyrion for me. I hope that he can keep that macro piece... And start treating people better. Well, and I wonder if that macro comes from that need for acknowledgement. Yeah, perhaps. Doing yeah. the big things to potentially get more notice, right? Um, I'm glad you pointed this out, Megan. Good thought, Scad. Uh, I I like the you know the eyes and the green being that more Targaryen. Um, no. Hunger is the green, right? That's more the Lannister eye. Yeah. That hunger, that desire for more and more and more. You don't get as rich as the Lannisters are without being hungry for more, right? Breaking Bad, you know, Walter White couldn't ever get to that point where he was just like, I'm good. He thought he did for a while. They're like, I got yeah. enough money. I'm going to stop now. I got what I need. I'm done. No. When you get to that point, you keep going and you never stop being hungry for more and more and more. And that's the story of the Lannisters. So that hunger in his green eye that it says he felt, she saw hunger in his green eye, fury in the black and the fury being the Targaryen side. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty dangerous combo, right? Um, Very. Daenerys Targaryen was, is someone, Megan, when you said this, I thought about Danny, who also wants to do good. She wanted to free the slaves. She wanted to leave Marine better than she found it. She wanted to marry someone that she could just love and have a good life with raising their child together. Um, something gets in the way, though, that fury. And uh, so it is a, a pretty scary road that Tyrion's walking down right now. I'd like to see, like Scad said, that there's something at the end, whether big or small. Uh, I agree with you, Scad. I'm glad you pointed out the macro-micro thing. Uh, he can go a long way by just treating people a little bit better putting himself yeah. in their shoes yeah. uh, as we've talked about ad nauseum on this on tonight's episode getting out of your own head a little bit yeah. one one more tiny tiny little thing that i picked up on while matt was talking there's a bit of a fellow in there with uh the green the green-eyed monster and uh, a fellow himself who's a more a, a black-skinned character and murders his wife in rage uh and, and jealousy too um but uh that's some some greed rage Rage uh, for the Shakespeare comparison there. Good call. 
Beautiful. Anything else? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was just going to say, going back to you know that cycle of abuse and violence, like this book ends with Tyrion killing Tywin, uh, and you know sometimes for people who are trapped in that cycle, the only way to get out of it is to They do it purposely or accidentally in a confrontation. It does mm. happen. Um, and, you know, that in a way, Tywin dying does sort of free Tyrion, uh, but he just sort of spirals yeah. after that point. I was going to so, say that. That's, like, that's a, it seems like, like he, the he opposite message. He doesn't yeah. know what yeah, to do. Yeah, um, and I. Compare it to Jamie, who sort of does better. Yeah. Um, and I think Jamie was already starting to pull away from the family before Tywin died. Sure. Uh, you know, when he got back after he lost his hand, started seeing um, how his family truly saw him as for what he could offer and not you know, just letting him be who he was. And so Jamie's kind of on. A similar uh, trajectory away and out of the cycle, um, but he's doing it in a more healthy way. And we'll see if that continues. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jamie will be back to pushing kids out the window later on. Hopefully not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it is interesting. I don't know if George did that on purpose, but it is fascinating. That is fascinating. To just how uh, interesting the Lannisters are and like that cycle of violence and how you can either break it or you can get caught in it and perpetuate it and you're no longer the victim now you're, you're the abuser and uh, that's where it feels like Tyrion's Jamie feels like he's actually maybe breaking out breaking out getting somewhere better yeah he yeah. had an in- interesting he has kind of an anchor in Brienne right he can kind yeah. of always anchor himself back to whereas Tyrion really I'm trying to think if he has one he really doesn't does he and no I mean his closest friend is really like Ron Pod right. <laughs> like they're not really his friends yeah, right exactly. they're like his servants Tyrion I think has relied on yeah. <laughs> uh, the company of strangers uh, the company of a bottle um, and the company of his own thoughts and when you get to a place where your own thoughts can't be relied on. Uh, your company gets worse, and you can't rely on on that intellect to save you. So the mm-hmm. bottle just makes mm-hmm. everything bad. Um, and his intellect well, is not in good buys, place right now. Yeah. He buys into the what everyone thinks of him. Like as much as he says he doesn't, and he wants to not be that. Like he thinks he's up there. Yeah. Really that sad. is really again. So, like, that's that's that whole victimhood, right? The victimhood thing, right? Coming back. Yeah, I don't think he's ever really let anyone be his friend. Like, yeah. I mean, Jamie. Yeah, you know what's sad is Jamie could have been that anchor for him, if yeah. the Taisha stuff. Oh, well, Taisha could have been that, that anchor just hit for me. him. Had he well, not yeah. Been... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. How would his life be different? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, good stuff. That's heartbreaking. Well. 
We've gone some places this episode. We have gone, so my <laughs> friend's been a bit rambly, but a pretty pretty deep. Sometimes we have been we some places. Yeah. Should we get to know Megan a little bit better? Let's yeah. Let's this close this off. More a little bit about the second section is always a little bit more about your Song of Ice and Fire journey. Yeah. How you found yeah. it, and so so tell us your Song of Ice and Fire story. How how did you find the books? When when did you find them? How did you come to it? show first <laughs> back mm-hmm. in college uh, I uh, I was actually reading Dune, mm. uh, Dune series when the show was coming out and uh, one of my roommates at the time was all like oh you should totally watch this show it's like right up your alley which it totally was like I watched the first episode like eight times before the second oh. episode came out, and I was like, "This is the best fantasy chronic overachiever show I've chronic. ever seen." <laughs> Megan again, because <laughs> I love fantasy thing. stuff, but I, I will say, like, there isn't a whole lot of great like fantasy movies and shows. Like, yeah, as a as a fan uh, of D and D, I agree. Like, I'm dying for a movie, <laughs> Game of Thrones quality for like a D&D setting, dying for it. They just never fund it well. And this yeah. was funded really well, well cast, well right. written, at least at the beginning. Sure, and now we're getting all kinds of stuff, right? Like they're going to be a Wheel of mm-hmm. series and a Lord of the Rings series. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I watched the series and what I decided I was going to do was, uh, well, I definitely got to read these books, but I'm going to, Watch the the season, and then I'll read the book after, mm. you know, so that I won't spoil the show for myself. Yeah, that lasted exactly. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not waiting six <laughs> months. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I was actually borrowing the books from my friend, and uh, I was reading them much faster than him, and he kind of got annoyed because he's like, "Well, you could just find it." <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, I'm sorry. It's so good, though. You got to read all of it. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I got really hooked uh, and was reading all of those. Um, and then uh, dance came out right before I went to grad school. Um, and I was, you know, I was colorful back then. <laughs> um, so I had to get it from the library. And, of course, the wait list was like six Of course. Long. Well, I have you start murdering them. Some, some no. One by one. Some librarian didn't check that there was a hold list oh. for the book, and they put it on like the editor's choice thing. So I grabbed it and checked it out, and it went through. Wow. And I couldn't, I couldn't renew it because there were holes. it had holes yeah. on it. So I had to read it in a week. Uh, so I read dance in or a pay week. the hefty um, dime but... fines that you get for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> 10 cents a day at our library. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I would uh I would read I read it until like my eyes started watering and then I would take a nap and then I would read it. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it was I was like obsessed. Yeah. Um but then when I was in grad school like I just kept rereading the books because um at my schedule was just so like, I had, like, a half an hour a day to myself where I wasn't doing yeah. anything. Um, so I uh, didn't want to start anything new, uh, particularly because if I'm reading 
a new book, I have a hard time putting it down to get started because mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to know what's going to happen. So I just kind of kept reading them. Um, and then uh, I got a job that was like a lot of data entry stuff. So then I discovered like podcasts. And I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone's made a podcast about these books. And I found Radio Westeros. And I think they had only had like two or three episodes out at the mm-hmm. time. Um, and so I started listening to those. And then I found uh, History of Westeros. Good. And then I think I found you guys. And you were only... You were still on Game of Thrones. Wow. I started listening. Um, so I caught up and then I sort of read along with you. Um, and also, uh, Podcast Winter. Mm-hmm. Which I don't even oh, know. Oh, wow. I do remember them. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I found them. I feel uh, like. It was great. It was like having my own book club, right? Like I would read a chapter and then. I would listen to like uh-huh. five different podcasts about it, and I was like, "This is a great uh, substitution for having a social life at this point in my life." I feel like they they still so, come around uh, uh, around Song of Madness time, don't they? I feel like I don't some, know. I don't. I might be I feel like I haven't seen them for a long time. Yeah, I think uh, I want to say Matt yeah, that sounds right. And he kind of like handed it off to someone right. else. And they kind of jump in, but they're definitely more show-oriented, yeah, no. yeah. and so I kind of dropped off on that one. Um, and they have, like, they were doing, like, a whole thing, and prestige television, and they had a bunch of mm-hmm. other shows, and they were like, come watch the light. I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading these books over uh, and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so... I don't know, it was really cool, because I was like, wow, there's, like, all these people who are as obsessed with this as me. So, <laughs> this is great. So, podcasts <laughs> were your gateway to the fandom. Yes. Cool. Yes. Um, yeah. And I joined, I think it was the History of Westeros Facebook group back in the day. Uh-huh. I have long since abandoned Facebook. Probably smart. <laughs> I only have Twitter Me too, now. for the most part. I still... <laughs> Still linger a few times a week, just kind of checking. I thought of joining a Discord, but like I'm just like, oh, which one do I pick? I can't do all <laughs> of them. I don't have enough time. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think around on Twitter, and then I went to Ice and Fire Con, uh, 2019, mm-hmm. which was. I'm so glad I didn't wait another year because I would still be waiting. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it was cool because you know it was the last season of the show, and uh, getting to watch it with everyone was cool. Getting to see other people angry about it, <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, good, it's not just me." That was just objectively bad, but um, yeah. Uh, and then I finally decided to get a Twitter after that. Um, I had kind of lurked watching song of madness right because mm-hmm. uh, i always listen to it on the podcast and i was like you know what i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna start a twitter and i'm gonna add all these people and your life was never the same <laughs> right oh, mistake number one <laughs> yeah yeah i always i always uh have a little bit of guilt when i recommend people come out and find us on twitter yeah oh 
Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> it's not too bad. That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> that's that's a good description of Twitter in general. It's not good, but it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of not too bad, who's the best Tyrell? I mean, we talked we talked about a lot of them that's... here today. Yeah, that's so hard because I really like all the Tyrells. Ah! Um... I her lack of giving shits uh, is the thing to me yes just insults everyone yeah. around her does uh, not care especially her own son yeah. yes i love that part reading that in the first the first sansa chapter she yes just, she just yeah. tears into him it's hilarious it's great so she might be my favorite, but Marjorie is actually like at the top of my. If we could get a POV mm-hmm. that we don't yeah. have, mm-hmm. and uh, one is Marjorie, and then the other one is um, Sansa. Oh, my brain is like. Who was it? Oh, Missandei. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, either way. Yeah. Yeah. Why Marjorie? I just. I feel like Marjorie would know enough to make it interesting uh-huh. without giving us too much of what the Tyrells are. Yeah. Also, I would just really love to know what she thinks about, like, being kind of, like, shipped around to be everybody's queen, right? Renly, Joffrey, like Tommen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before that, Renly was trying to hook her up with Robert. She's just like, and, again? Like, I... I just wonder, is she, like, all for that? Like, yes, I want to be queen. Or if she's just like, oh, This God. is getting Going along with the family, right? Doing yeah. my yeah. duty. That's a good <laughs> yeah. point. Good point. Yeah. So I, I think she would give an interesting amount of flair um, without giving away too much of the mystery. I like it. I can see yeah, that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, do you have a favorite minor family? Hmm. Minor family's a little hard I, to define sometimes, but yeah, I think uh, I really like the green apple false Oh, I think it's yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, because uh, the off the offshoot family that started with Dunk. Yes. Yes. I can't even remember the guy's name, but he was just like, "My cousin's an asshole. Screw yeah. you." Dunk's awesome. I'm gonna make my own house mm-hmm. so I can support this guy. And I'm like, yes, that's great. I've I've misplaced his name as well, but uh, taking the yeah, power back. Really John? Like was it just John? <laughs> I don't know. I felt like it was John too, but I'm like, nah, it can't be. That's far too generic. I think it might be John. It might be. John There's a Green website we can look at. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Wiki. <laughs> is it Twitter.com? <laughs> that's all I use anymore. Is Twitter. Don't go to Twitter.com. <laughs> uh all right what 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 do you think why do you think uh song of Ice and fire speaks to you? you mentioned earlier you just kind of kept reading them over and over again what what keeps you coming back to it yeah um honestly i don't know that i ever really stop reading yeah. <laughs> i'm always reading some parts of it at some point um but i think it part of it is just every time i read it i always find something new um which just fascinates me. Um, I am just mesmerized with how real 
students. Mm-hmm. Like, I really love world building. Um, and my other favorite author, N.K. Jemisin, I think she's like the only other author I can think of that's like on George's level, which is world hmm. building. Like, I just feel like I can't poke any holes in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Um, and then also just the different ways that you can read it. Like, you can read it uh, just as straight, like, adventure and intrigue. Uh, you can read it as just like this amazing epic of like character building. <laughs> character studies, right? Yeah. Character studies. yeah. Yeah, wow. character studies. You can get super uh, into the magic. You can. Yeah, you yeah. can get into like the swords and sorcery part. You can get into like the social commentary, mm-hmm. like, and George's writing is just beautiful. Um, I don't know. Even the characters that I hate, I enjoy. Cersei them. POVs. Yeah. So they're a yeah, they're Cersei. a blast. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, and Victorion, oh, I hate him, but like also hilarious. Yeah. Like <laughs> you One know, trauma. Uh, and I. I think also just like the whole like different POVs thing really does it for me. I really enjoy that um, in any series. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, I really like that. So, yeah, lots of reasons. All good ones. I love it. Yeah. Good answer. So you, Thank you. You may have answered this last one already with Marjorie, but is she maybe the most excited uh, POV you might want to get to see? Or I think actually they've said there's going to be no more new ones. So yeah, I think George said. All right, so whose POV are you wanting to get to continue? To yeah, I won't hold him to it either. <clears throat> I mean, he was originally going to write three books. Yeah, it? yeah. So yeah. and John and Arya were going to be a thing, right? Wasn't that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that right. was a thing. <laughs> and with with Tyrion, it was like going to be. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, so of the existing POVs, I I I'll fix the question. Of the existing POVs, who are you most excited to get to in ones? so hard uh because danny's probably my favorite character but i really want to know what is going on in the north (laughs) like i really want to get to the north like i want to see how john comes back uh i want to see you know the heart of winter where the hell is benjen where's benjen like he's gotta pop up it's gotta be a mel chapter then right uh, in the north isn't it? Yeah, Mel, uh, or maybe Bran. I don't oh, yeah, know if Bran. we're going to get any more Bran chapters. Beyond. Bran might know too with the much Stannis now. stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah, I see some at yeah. the wall, but yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I almost picked an Ashi chapter, because I really love uh, Oh, we haven't done her yet. Yeah, we haven't had her where, where they're all snowed in, um, and everyone's just <laughs> bickering at each yeah. other. Oh, that would have been a fun <laughs> one. Yeah. Yeah, I always pick that one. Cool. But, um, yeah, so I would love to see what's going to happen with Stannis. Like, I feel like with all of the extra chapters and stuff, we've got a pretty good idea of what's going to happen uh, over on the Esso side. Um, fire. And we probably know that, like, Danny's going to win that, right? She has to get to Westeros. But I just wonder, is Stannis going to come out of his battle with the Boltons, uh, or is he gonna falter, or what? what's gonna happen there? I'm really excited for that one, too. Yeah. Me, too. Yeah, so, I just wanna, anybody in the North, maybe, even Davos, I'll take even Davos. Let's see what's even Davos. Davos with 
with Rick. Oh, I love I think, if I can sum up your answer, I think it was all of them. I'm not sure if you missed one or two. Yeah. But I think it was yeah. all of them. It was basically everybody. Every single POV. <laughs> I guess if I had to pick, probably Melissa. Yeah, I like it. I'm eager for that, too. Yeah. Well, with that, um, I think we've reached our sign-off. Yeah. Real quick, yeah. Raymond Fossaway. Oh. His name Raymond. Raymond. Oh, oh that's Not Raymond. Raymond. Really? Raymond. Yeah. R-A-Y-M-U-N. Okay. Yeah. John, there is a John Fossaway. He <clears throat> he's in the current was, books, right? He's in a clash. He's one of those that's with um, Stannis. Renly. Oh. When Catelyn goes to Bitterbridge. Look at us go. Look at us go. <laughs> yep. We signing off? I will sign off. Yeah. Well, Megan, thanks thanks for joining us. And uh, we all get a sign off. If you got uh, something profound or just funny or interesting to say, here's your chance. No pressure. Well, I, think, I think I'm going to go uh, with Danny's I can see. Yes, something to think about all the time in a lot of different ways. Uh, and this is Matt just signing off. I don't have a song lyric or anything this time, Scatty. This time it's, uh, you know what, guys? You're doing great. You're all doing a really good job, every last one of you. <laughs> and uh, your kings, your queens, you're doing a really good job. And uh, we're here for you. I agree with what Matt said, but my sign off is a little, a little more cautionary. Just try to move a little bit more sedately out there, okay? Be, be more like Mace. Be more the like man Mace. who somehow Less fish, but move more sedately. <laughs> the one. I mean, that's actually great advice. Thanks. Right. I thought so. Pandemic. Yes. <laughs> more sedately, who somehow, along with his wife raised four perfect children basically harkening <laughs> <laughs> back to that parenting episode uh well all right that's us signing off thanks everybody for listening and uh thank you megan for joining us here thank you megan guest. lots of insights such a blast yes yeah this episode will go down in 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 history for sure but the anals okay the anals i said it mm -hmm. i don't regret it all right Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Megan's running off a uh, 1998 Mac. Uh... <laughs> Is it one of those like they use in Zoolander? <laughs> it's the colored, in the computer? The colored back. <laughs> I haven't seen Zoolander in so long. The files are I actually in the was computer? I was trying to find it on all of the streaming apps the other day because one of my partners hasn't watched it, and I was like, "You have to watch Zoolander; it's so good." And it's like nowhere. You have to actually buy it. That's uh, a little bit. I probably should because I really like that uh, movie. <laughs> for me, it's one of the ones but that's no. like uh, if it's on and I'm doing nothing, which doesn't happen anymore because it's all streaming, right? There's no more. I yeah. was flipping and it was on kind of stories. Uh, yeah. But I'll watch it, you know, if it's like on in the room. But it's not one I ever would seek out.
it's definitely a nostalgia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I quote it all the time. Oh. The, the Center for Ants. Thing. Yes. Oh my yes. God. Yes. Is this the Center for Ants? All the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, I do the I do the computer thing a reasonable amount. I yeah. That's a quotable that I use for sure. Anytime, anytime somebody talks about storage and files and stuff, I yeah, that's a go-to for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Meet the Parents is like one of those ones that my dad would say, like, you just can't laugh at this. It's just, it's totally no. The humans would not react this way to these situations. And I'm like, Dad, relax, man. But but once he says <laughs> oh. that about a film, you're like, oh. Things also, are starting I know. to make sense for me now, Scott. <laughs> this, this explains so much, my friend. Well, the, the, my dad is like that, and that I ended up like this. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a thing. I love my dad dearly, but, uh, you know. <clears throat> Not humor that shouldn't be real. Yeah, that's a, that's a trigger for him. Mm-hmm.